1: I'm playing these small clubs, locking your phones in a bag, and they hand you
0: the bag. You carry the bag with you. Yeah. And you're? Are you touring
2: now? Or are you? I am. We just did shows in New York, L.A., Paris, London, getting the band, getting our feet wet, sea legs.
0: The band like you switch it up a little it's bit. It's right? incredible, man. It's really uh, sort of two synth uh, keyboard
2: uh, players that are amazing: Quincy McCrary and Neil Evans, and me and Carlos are on drums. Dominic Davis on bass, who's played with me since I was 12 years old, and it's just very heavy up front, really, really heavy. Really. Yeah. So yeah, you no. Know...
0: I've never been in a band this loud before, so I I
2: thought I'd been loud before. Yeah, you've been pretty loud. It's gotten louder. Is that right? Yeah. Ah!
1: Paul. Yes. Look look around. Look at the beauty. It's splendid in here. It's crystalline. You can see this sparkly uh, mm-hmm. quartz. Yep. Over oh, yeah, over here I see there's the quartz, yeah stalag quartz. mites. yeah. St- 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 uh, there's actual mites all over my body. they I see a couple st- I see a I see a couple stalags who haven't decided. They're just sort of floating there in the middle. Stalag neutral. Yeah, they're stalag neutral. Mm-hmm. It's this is an amazing geologic wonderland, Paul. Oh. A geologist's I mean- dream a meteorologist's dream, James. There's- yeah, it's beautiful in here. What's that? Oh, Paul, I got to go in there. I got I to gotta jump in there. Hold on. Okay, hold on. You right. stay here real quick. Yep. I'm going to make all sure I right. Okay, safe. okay. I just... I'm so scared right now without James here. I just... Uh, what was that? What was that? Oh, about? What? Is that him? Oh, it's an abandoned mine shaft. Oh! Oh! Let, let's not get in it, should we? No, no, no. It's beautiful in here it's full of bats bats There's thousands all right well hold, hold on there. let me let me run up oh wait can you hear me now I can't see anything can you hear me now James hold on let me sprint over to you because the okay. guy from the T went to sprint and he does the can you hear me now guy thing
3: the bats are
1: going wild because of that bad joke. They're well, well, everywhere. All right, hold on, hold on. I know what we can do. We prepared for this. Okay, uh, just turn around, turn around, turn around. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm unzipping okay. your backpack. Okay, now I've got it out. That's not uh, my backpack. That's my fly. Uh, oh, oh, well. <laughs> a, uh, are we in a mine shaft now, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> that's a bat. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right, no, no, okay. So I've got it out. Now I'm unzipping the top. I, James, just climb into this. And, uh, the bats won't be able to hurt you because, uh, just get in. Just get in. Climb in. All right. All right. Now, I, now, all right. You're inside. Now I'm sealing it shut. And the, yes, it's working. The, 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 the life, the human-sized yonder pouch is working. No one can communicate with you. Uh, you are in there and you are able to enjoy a bat-free experience. Oh, so few bats in here. (laughs) It's only about two or three, but I'm sure they'll be ejected, James, If don't anybody finds them. Don't worry, James. I'm taking photos of all the bats for you, and I'm going to put them up on the internet. Mm. I've got some really tasteful bat nudes that are going online.
0: <laughs> oh man,
1: I you, love. Can, hey, real talk, real yeah. talk, uh, man okay. to yonder man. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Every photo of a bat ever taken is a is a nude. Welcome to episode 69. Hey! (laughs) Our parents listen to this. Anyway, I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky. My name is Paul Kaminsky. I am your other co-host. This is our Jack White History Podcast, the third men podcast, where we go over Jack White music and albums and films and TV and all that good stuff. And James, we are on part three of our three-part boarding house reach coverage, the end of the line, the conclusion of our... Boarding house reach epic, James. We've only ever done one other three-parter in the past. Yes, and Lord knows we told you it would be two parts, yep. and it's not. Well, that's actually, but the, best... the Lord did originally oh. say that it was just the one part. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and... So we're doubly liars, but that's okay because the best things come in threes, as Jack White would say. I mean, there's three birds fighting out in the yard right mm-hmm. now, yep. and I don't know what it means. This is our our third part of the Boarding House Reach thing. Did you already say that? I did. Okay. Well, I said it again, and I'll say it a third time, because why not? Yeah. So this episode, James, we're going to be covering a lot of ground. We've got so many different things. We've got ground we neglected to cover last time, and then we have some new ground we're going to forge ahead with. This is sort of a scattered effect of... (laughs) Boarding House Reach leftovers, you yeah. know, the stuff that we didn't have time for in the what, four hours of previous episodes. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, more fan reviews in this episode, Paul. Mm. We're going to have our actual reviews. Our own uh, personal reviews. Yeah, which we will uh, rate the, the album on our patented third man scale, mm-hmm. as well a special treat for y'all. It's a, a kind of round table, if you will, mm. separated into three chunks of the... Boarding House Reach pre-shows to which everybody in this room right now yes. has been to this imagi- at least one yeah. or another or a different one. Yeah, this imaginary this imaginary internet room we're in, we're going to go around and we're going to talk to people, including ourselves, uh, who have been to each of the three pre-shows, the sort of Boarding House Reach teasers prior to the actual tour, and that would be the shows at the Blue Room in Nashville at Third Man Records. We're going to be talking about the show at the Mayan Theater in Los Angeles, California. We're going to be talking about the show at the Warsaw in Brooklyn, New York City, and we are going to give you just as in-depth a look as we can on the initial live performances of this album, James. Yes. Uh, Sorry, London. Uh, We know you happened, but uh, none of us happened to go to those (laughs) Well, if you uh, did, if you did, please write in and tell us. We want to hear from you. Yes, we'd love to. But before we get to all of that, Paul. Is there something we should start smelling, James? It's all of this bat guano, Paul. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. Whoa.
0: What is the most astounding fact? The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the
2: knowledge.
1: Uh, James this week we have a few I think I smell effects and there are they are plentiful this week James would you like to start by telling the people what I think a smell of fact is yeah of course I think a smell effect is when we find out some information about a previous episodes topic and, and we just ram jam it cram it into this little segment here yeah and so this first I think I smell effect comes from Brett garski on our uh, th- Facebook page who posted some more information about the song what's done is done uh, we neglected to talk uh, at all about who Jack duets with on that song last mm-hmm. episode. It was Esther Rose. Yeah, a singer by the name of Esther Rose. And she opened for Pokey LaFarge last year, actually. And Brett Garsky, uh posted from uh, Esther's Facebook page talking about the song and uh, she says here from a post on March 23rd last July I had the pleasure of singing a duet with Jack White for his new album it was an incredible experience the session musicians were insanely talented although uh, I suppose um, they let them out of the asylum for this all oh, the bats they're getting angry it's not anything uh the session musicians were insanely talented and we recording everything live to tape at capitol records ah so she joined jack in uh, los angeles at uh, capitol that's pretty cool i'm beyond honored i'm not sure what's beyond honored, but I, i'm sure it's i'm sure oh. it's intense the album dropped today have a listen what's done is done is eerie country soul uh, inspired by the absurdity of american gun laws quote it's an exploration of how easy it is to buy a gun and ask what is that character going through and that is taken from an interview with uh, Jack White for Q magazine so that's very interesting Courtesy of uh, Esther Rose here and Callie Durga, third woman in Spirit Every Week, uh, follows up with mentioning that she had worked in the past with Luke Winslow King when they were still married. She and Luke opened for Jack in Omaha, Nebraska on the Blunderbuss tour, which I did not know oh. about. So there is apparently this long standing relationship here with Esther Rose. And honestly, I, I felt like I had heard her name mentioned somewhere. Interesting. Because we did do the Blunderbuss tour episode. Okay, so this second, I think I smell the fact, comes courtesy of Kyle Ledford, who we had mentioned this actually briefly last episode, but Kyle points out that it's a bit of a dirty secret, if you, f- but if you follow the audio engineers who have worked with Jack from the Stripes through, thir- through his third man work, his engineers have used Pro Tools in post for editing, recorded completely analog, though edited digitally, particularly in the process of taking the in-house tape transfer to mastering then to electroplating which sounds like something a ghostbuster might do
4: you know it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment i blame myself so do i uh,
1: for example pro tools was used to edit the very last album jack put out which...
4: well, no sense worrying about it now why
1: worry i think he's referring to lazaretto here the uh, there's a quote that uh kyle provided Powell and Smith edited the recordings on both tape and in Pro Tools to get the desired final song arrangements and structures. Smith highlights two songs on the album as being indicative of two different approaches, the title track and the epic Would You Fight For My Love, which, by the way, is the most boarding house reach sounding song on that album. He recalls, We have a small native Pro Tools system at Third Man with 16 inputs. We initially bought it for tape backups just to have digital backups, but when we had some very complicated edits to do, it became more of a creative tool. But it always ends up going back to tape. Lazaretto and also Three Women definitely were band tracks done in one take, and that's done in one take is Bonkers to me. And they also were done on the same day, so they have very similar sounds. They were fairly straightforward to record and mix and had no major edits. On the other hand, Would You Fight for My Love was one of the most difficult tracks to do because it consisted of three different sections edited together. The intro was the guy band, the quieter section. Uh, with the Toms is the girls, and then it's back to the guy band when the hi-hat comes in. These edits were done by Vance on tape, and I did several additional edits in Pro Tools later on. Now, Kyle provides much more on this, and I would love to do an entire episode dedicated to production on Jack White albums, but thank you, Kyle, for that background information on the long, seemingly long history between Jack White and Pro Tools. Listen! You smell something? (laughs) You know what? I smelled that fact.
0: Ah! When I reflect on that fact.
1: Paul, let's jump into album reception. All right, let's do it. It's dirty. Oh, It's no. dirty. Oh, no. Not a dirty reception. Paul, no. I'm just going to power through this here because it's not too much. Initial reviews from this album were not kind. Mojo gave the album three stars, quote, Seeking reinvention, Jack White channels his inner funk meister in an uneven but eventful quest for new directions. White's first two solo albums, 2012's Blunderbuss and 2014's Lazaretto, abandoned many of the strictures that had inspired The Stripes. But while Jack was expanding his palette beyond red, white, and black, there was also a sense that he was often painting within the lines. His eccentricities submerged. Those albums were solid, occasionally brilliant, but a certain wildness, a kink. Kinks. Now that kinks. Kinks with a K at the end, the a Kinks. Was conspicuous by its absence. For his third solo turn, however, White has again relocated himself to those uncomfortable positions, turning his creative process inside out, songs mostly written incognito in a nondescript Nashville apartment recorded in unfamiliar cities and featuring musicians he'd never worked with before, many hailing from a hip-hop universe far removed from the garage rock scene that birthed him. The resulting album pushes White in unexpected directions with little in his back catalog to prepare listeners for what follows. Oof. It's different. People are afraid of different. Yep. Via the line of best reach. With all that said, the production on Boarding House Reach is damn near flawless. But it's the sound of an artist with too many ideas and not enough time in the day to actually sort these ideas out as he presents in the studio. For long time, White fans, Boarding House reaches both an invigorating listen and a pastiche of all his greatest work, twirled up into a fastball and delivered at record speeds. But perhaps fans should be thankful for such a mess of an album. Sure, it's not White's best work, nor is it a breakthrough album of any sort. Instead it's a late career ugh. it's a late career release that still burns with the same passion and fury as any of his solo releases or those with his supergroup The Dead Weather. It's a star-studded album swirling with perplex ideas often hitting the nail on the head at times completely missing the nail. Much like the bouncy baseline on Respect Commander Boiding House reaches overall flow conceptually and creatively is at times unsure and brilliant all at once. This is no album of the year contender nor will it rank too highly on White's saggish discography. Saggish. F*** you. Instead, it's 13 songs of creative madness. Jack White may not be as relevant as he once was, but his ambition is just as strong 20 years on. That's more than most can say. As far as negative reviews go, that one was not bad. Uh, Via slant, almost everything else on Boarding House Reach blurs together into a a trippy, disorienting, futuristic soundscape. There are plenty of recognizable genre signifiers heard throughout: funky clavinet, hip hop drums, White's own piercing guitar, pyrotechnics. But they're all blended together in an almost alien fashion, giving its scarcity of melodic hooks, not to mention actual singing. The album derives excitement from its jagged grooves and constantly mutating electronic flourishes. The creative editing that made the sonic collages feasible was facilitated by White's first-ever dalliance with Pro Tools, once a blasphemous proposition for a notorious analog fetishist. And then I have a couple quotes here of Jack reflecting on the sound of the album. This is a quote from Jack I've always tried to do something different than what I've done before, even when I was in the White Stripes, but it was hard for people to tell there was anything different between, say, the hardest button to button and let's shake hands. To them, it was all rock and roll, but actually, those were incredibly different ways of attacking music. It's a lot easier to hear on this album, for sure. My friends were saying to me, I love it, but how are you going to play that live? And that used to be my biggest concern. I need to be able to make this sound live. This time I didn't care if I could reproduce it live. Uh, and this is the interviewer. Some time ago I asked if your songs were about your private life then and you said that you had a reservoir of songs that you were recording years after you wrote them. Have you exhausted that backlog yet? Jack says, I wish I could just sit down and write about things that happened to me and straight up tell people what it is. It doesn't happen very often to me. I like to write about imaginary characters, about other people. It's just a lot more interesting. When I think about my own problems, I'm just like, eh, what do I want to think about that for the next 20 years for every time I sing this song? It's way more interesting for me to push myself out of my own scenario, which someone's therapist should probably point out. Jack, those characters are you. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is the, the final thing I have here is Jack reflecting on how he runs a studio with these guys via the L.A. Times. It wasn't like the old Star Trek where there was a hero, Captain Kirk, who told everybody what to do. He explained,
0: You have received your orders. You will obey my orders.
3: We'll be charged with mutiny. What
4: can I do for you, Jim? I
3: said, give me the brandy.
4: I said, beam me aboard. I said, queen to queen's level three. We have no time for chess
1: problems. Beam me aboard.
4: I'm following your orders, Captain. Queen to queen's level
1: three.
2: I'm the captain. Don't you understand? I'm captain of the ship.
1: Captain Picard says Someone give me options That's the way to captain a ship And with that James I leave us Well it's been a beautiful boarding house But let's say we give this boarding house A rating Oh dear Alright James Do you want to explain our system Yeah I'll (laughs) explain our system We both like most of what Jack White does uh, If not all and, uh, and boarding house reaches no, was, is no outlier in there. So uh, what we do is we rate albums out of three men. One man being we like it. Two men being we love it. Three men mm. being we've got to have it. It's the Coldstone Creamery system. and James, we won't let this go. Uh, we are sticking to it. Uh, so we are rating out of three men. Obviously, you could throw in a half man if you want to. Yeah, you could throw in a half man. But that's our system. So instead of doing it out of ten... Uh, we're doing it out of three. So that's that's our system. Well, James, do you want to go first? Do you want to rate this one first? Do you want to Hell be brave? Yeah. Step into those waters? Hell yeah. Bob. This album is weird. It's wild. It's different. It's just left of ordinary. I struggle with it. I battle with it. And you know what that is <laughs> you gotta fight it pick a exa- fight with it and win the fight <laughs> exactly and that's kind of what i love about this album and you know what and this is one that has has definitely taken some time for me to learn to love and from the listening party to now i have listened to this album a good 10 times through and i love it every single time there isn't a single song that I really skip, aside from Connected by Love, which I skip a little bit every now and then, I think that's just because I've heard it too much. Highlights of the album, I've, I've obviously, obviously gone over, Get Into the Mindshaft, uh, fantastic song, Everything You've Ever Learned, fantastic song, Hyper Misophionic, fantastic song. I rank this above Blunderbuss, as sacrilegious yeah. as that is. I would say this album, to me... Is a solid two men out of three. It's a two out of three. Wow. I think I gave the self titled like a one out of three. Like, I feel like I'm putting this album before some other prominent Jack work. I really like this album. Well, James, we were talking the other day off mic, and you had said that you like this one more than Blunderbuss, and I agree. I think song for song this one has more memorable tracks than Blunderbuss, if we're really going to get in there. I think the epitome for me of Jack stuff is really, like, Icky Thump, Lazaretto. Mm. My favorite, obviously, is Get Behind Me, Satan, for an emotional reason, but, like, as far as, like, what I feel like his epitome is, Icky Thump, Lazaretto, that's kind of it. That said, I really like this album. It hasn't worn on me yet. I think there's a lot of great tracks on it, a lot of really strong efforts in the mix. It's a challenging one, because it is so different, and it's so not what we were expecting. And the live versions kind of colored it for me a little bit, because I really didn't think they did work live, um, except for... Uh, connected by love which i thought worked great but my favorite tracks on this don't really work live and we'll kind of get to that in, a, in another episode but i don't know it's it's this one fills me with a lot of complicated emotions but i think what it boils down to it for me right now is my joy that we have a new jack white album
2: hmm.
1: and i'm so happy that we have another jack white album that i'm trying not to let that color my perception of the overall record but corporations rad and i station Zebra made me feel great and getting the mineshaft is really good and respect commander when i first heard that one i liked it a lot but it's it's it is not my favorite i like it a great deal i think i'm prepared to give this one a 2.25 whoa surprising i thought you were gonna go higher than i actually and so that's why i was surprised when you said a solid two Cause I would rate this one above a solid two. Like I think just on a pure like audacity level, like I respect what it's trying to do so much. I almost give it the benefit of the doubt. I also think this is the last Jedi of Jack White albums. Okay. Yeah. Um, This is the one that much like the last Jedi, I like more out of spite because the message of this album to me is burn it all down, burn down the past, kill your idols Miles walk next to me. I look up and then they fade away. Burn it down. Make something new. That's the message of Last Jedi. Burn it all down. The past is dead. But Luke's milking a weird alien. This Bodega man is a star now. And so is the guy that was drunk in John, the Ex Machina John movie. John Bodega. <laughs> The point of that film is we have to make something new to move forward in our lives, James. And we can't be waiting around but Han Solo! Oh, God! He's dead. (laughs) 2.25. This album, the attempt is to murder the past with extreme prejudice. And I respect that. And that's where I land on it. Fantastic. James... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> James I learned so much about my own inner thoughts on Last Jedi tonight Luke's milking and things Han Solo is the worst let's murder our friends and raise up our enemies uh, Boarding House Reach fantastic e- album let's say we get into some more fan reviews shall we let's do it James
0: Hey, James, Paul, it's Dean Haspiel. Thanks for asking me to talk briefly about Jack White's new album, boarding house reach which i wasn't necessarily going to get i I kind of unfortunately written off jack white as kind of repeating himself i mean i really love what he did with the white stripes and i loved his first couple of albums and i was like okay i i got it now I, i get what he does and it's beautiful he's an amazing guitarist and he respects the blues and and rock and roll and and you know he's amazing but again as i get older i'm like okay i i i got it but I decided to take a chance, I guess, on the new album because I'd heard some things about it, that he had returned to kind of recording in a more bare bones, nuts and bolts style. I, I think he even used equipment from when he first recorded when he was younger, and I like that kind of sound. I remember uh, Sly Stone used to kind of bend the will of those magnetic tapes back in the day through nefarious means, and it, what would happen is it would, there. I guess there's a few tracks you can record on magnetic tape, and, and he would kind of record over and over, record a race, record a race, until finally it kind of inadvertently evolved that sound into this like thick, syrupy funk. And I really like that kind of sound. And I'm not saying that that's what Jack White did here, but he did use old tools, uh limited tools. And that's the kind of stuff that I like to create with as well myself. And in listening to the album, I mean, it starts off beautifully and it kind of goes into like different, it's serpentines and different kinds of music and songs. Some of it is evocative of early prints like the Dirty Mind era, when critics were calling Prince, uh, what was it? It was a black craftwork, which I always love that, that idea that there was a black craftwork and it was Prince. And it also reminds me a little bit of Funkadelic, you know, uh, before they were Parliament Funkadelic. Kind of this like hazy, woozy tunes and also, like, the, I think my favorite song on the album is Get in the Mine Shaft," which is kind of reminds me a little bit of The Best of Beck. Or the best Beck song Beck never did That kind of a thing And it's just, it's a beautiful album And that's another thing, it's an album I don't know if it necessarily has standout songs I mean there are some some songs I I return to more than others But that's what happens with albums But you kind of have to listen to the whole album And I really love that about this new work that Jack White did So yeah, I highly recommend it I've been playing a lot in the studio And I hope other folks get to hear it too Because I think Jack White's going into a really cool, honest direction. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you later.
1: Thank you all so much for sending those in. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Emmy Award-winning artist Dean Haspiel for providing Mm. his review. That was special, huh? That was something else. Yeah, we didn't expect that. Yeah. Now we've had a Grammy Award winner and an Emmy Award winner and a Tommy Award winner. Uh, So is that our own private little EGOT? Yes, Do we have.
0: it is our right. Egon.
1: is <laughs> the Egon Awards. Anyway, Paul. But now we'd like to move along to covering the individual shows, and we're going to start with Nashville, Tennessee. We'd like to give a big, warm welcome to two of our favorite guests who have ever been on the podcast. We've got Callie. Tam Durga over here, and we've got Yvette Wilkins, Wilkin on Sunshine. How are you guys doing?
4: (laughs) I'm doing great. Doing good. Mm -hmm.
1: We brought you here to talk about the first preliminary show of Jack White's new tour that he played at the third man records nashville studio uh, in the blue room uh, and both of you were in attendance were you not
5: it was uh yeah the the second night we were both there
1: were either of you there on the first night as well or just the second night
5: we could we couldn't have been okay Okay. they were very
4: strict about that if you were at one you couldn't Mm. be at the other Uh, Uh, i see Okay.
1: so you missed the lightning bolt track suit or whatever exactly yes uh, (laughs) uh, yeah (laughs) yeah The Black Panther uh, kind of of thing that he had going on there.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That was the first image, I think, of the new Jack White live experience. And I gotta say, what I saw, I was like, "Wow, what a choice!" But I've been actually, I've been really liking his fashion choices this time around. It does scream a little bit like I'm one of the Youngs, but it's also like, (laughs) it's kind of like he can move around a little bit, like because. I like you know what I especially like the jacket with the like (laughs) on it you know he looks like a superhero yeah he looks like kind of like that like Hugh Jackman circa X-Men 2 like he's he's, yeah he's no longer ripping his clothes because he's too tight in them but he's got the little extendable accordion he looks loose he looks fancy he looks free it's great yeah but then but then he'll bust out the polka dot shirt again which is like a lazaretto hold is that an Allison Mosshart shirt by the way You know, it might... I think they have a... I think they share a wardrobe, (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it.
4: I actually thought Uh, the same thing. I even mentioned that to my friends. I was like, hey, that reminds me of Allison's (laughs) shirts, except hers have stars on them.
1: That's right, that's right. And uh, Allison was at that... I think she was at the first show uh, in the Blue Room, because she had that lovely post about dancing with Jack's daughter throughout the show, which I thought was very, very sweet. This has been a real family affair, this tour so far. But but so anyway, we're, you're talking about not the tour, not the boarding house reach tour, but the preliminary shows. He always does this. He always does like a couple prep shows before the big tour, which kind of like loosens the band up, does it in a smaller setting, maybe amongst some friendlier faces, some some of the fans he kind of gets, you know, he's, I think he's looking for a little bit of support there, but it's also to warm the band up. So he did a few of these things in the first three venues he played was the nashville blue room which you were both in attendance uh in as uh, as we mentioned then he played the mayan in los angeles and then finally to the warsaw in brooklyn we're just completely omitting london because yeah none of us we were there we don't need that yeah <laughs> well you know it feels appropriate it's the three first three venues that's you know come on who's with me yeah who's there you who? go. um So how did you guys uh, come to get tickets to this? It was very, very hard to get tickets to any of these shows. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to get these tickets and then what it was like waiting in line and and all that? Because you guys have been to the Blue Room before.
5: Yeah, actually, I realized that when I was at this show that all but one of the times that I've been in the Blue Room have been for either Jack's solo or his bands. The only other time I've been there for a show is the third uh devil's night but I've, I've never actually seen another band there besides jack
1: that's a pretty good track record yeah yeah
5: uh, uh, but, um but yeah getting the tickets it was just the usual mad scramble you see the announcement on the vault you tell everybody you know and then five minutes before they go on sale you tell everybody at work <laughs> don't talk to me for the next 15 minutes and <laughs> And you, you get online yeah. and try not to hyperventilate while you're clicking buttons.
4: I, <laughs> I think that's kind of how it is for everybody. I actually didn't think I, it was even feasible for me to go. I thought that was impossible. And thankfully, one of my friends, she was at the show, too. Um, she convinced me, Colleen. She said, we got to go. We got to do this. And, and I'm glad I did. But yes, it was a, a lot of frenzy and stress. And are we going to get the tickets? And this is like after the stress of trying to get tickets to the actual concerts. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was pretty crazy, but... Well worth it. What's the capacity in the Blue Room? Do you know? Um,
1: I would imagine 300 people.
5: I think they used to let in 300 people, but then they had trouble with the fire marshal who told them that they couldn't let that many people in. So I think it's less than 300 now, but I haven't heard an actual number.
1: So it's a pretty exclusive list there. Like, to get into that is is tough. I mean, all the early shows were kind of small. But you're both very lucky to to have gotten in. That's really awesome. I was rooting for you both. I wasn't, I wasn't even jealous. I was just happy. I was just happy. Somebody I knew was going to this thing. (laughs) Yeah.
5: Well, that's how I felt about you guys for the Mayan and the, and the Warsaw shows.
4: I was really excited. You guys got to go to those. Yep. And the best mistake I ever made. (laughs) How was it a mistake?
1: Oh, I did not tell my wife that I was going uh, with her. her. And (laughs) (laughs) she learned after I bought the tickets that was not a good idea. <laughs> anyway, uh, we get into this a little more later on in the show, which we've discussed with her already. So the it was the, the first couple shows that Jack White has played in about four years. Three years. Three years? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 2015. Uh, that's... That's very him. So three years, uh, give or take a couple of shows, you know, for late night stuff. How was the feeling? Because it's mostly vault members who were there, if not all vault members who were there. Was there a kind of excitement or electricity
5: in the air? No, none of those things.
4: (laughs) It was really interesting because, you know, it's like the first Yonder Pouches shows, you know, and Mm. like probably one of the Mm. first things I knew about the Yonder Pouch, I just left my phone in the car, but as soon as we got in... And we all looked at each other and realized who has a watch because we don't know what time it is now. So we were like, so we found one dude that had a watch and we asked him that. But another thing I will say. Okay. okay.
1: I was dude with watch at the Mayan. I was dude with watch. Yes. We had this, you had we your had Apple watch <laughs> or
4: whatever it was. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, But it was really cool because, actually, to start off, um, when I went into the store the afternoon while we were waiting in line, there was a couple from Minnesota. Well, there was a family from Minnesota there. They were just camping in Tennessee. They were going on this trip, and they happened to be in Nashville for the weekend. And um, they had no idea. They're not even vault members. They had no idea about what was going on. And they happened to take their kids to the store and there were some tickets that just got released that afternoon and they were there and the parents got the tickets. They found some other, I don't know what they did with their kids because there were no kids allowed. And just serendipitously, they ended up at the show and that it was pretty exciting yes, to amazing. see them. They were very stoked and that was really cool.
1: Wow. Awesome. That is very lucky. <laughs> that's so cool. Yes.
4: <laughs> Serendipity. <laughs>
1: What was the vibe with the band? Were they stiff to you, or were they? Did they feel like they already had a flow? Did you feel like the rehearsals were kind of paid off because they rehearsed a bunch? What What was your general impression?
5: They seemed pretty tight. I mean, it was it was kind of a, a mix of you know, in some instances they felt pretty tight and together, and other songs were a little bit sloppier. But it was really interesting to watch. You know, Carla and Dominic have worked with Jack before, so they were synced in with him. But Neil and Quincy. It was really interesting to watch their faces when the crowd would respond to songs because they were... They seemed like they were really blown away. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Neil, I couldn't see Quincy that much, but Neil especially. I mean, he would just... Get these wide-eyed, big smiley looks on his face, like "Oh my god!" And it was, I was—I felt like yelling over there, "Welcome to the Jack White world." <laughs> <laughs> this is what you've gotten ahead of you. You
1: both had a very good view to see those faces, right? You were—you were, were you front, or were you yeah.
5: close to front? Yeah. Were... Yeah, I was over. Um, I was on the front, over um, in front of Carla. So, I mean, Yvette had a better view of of Quincy and Neil, but it's such a small stage that no matter where you are, you can pretty much see everything
1: I kind of find that every show that I see uh, Quincy's kind of tucked in the back I feel like he's not getting enough face time like that the rest of the band like Neil is a little more at least at my show was a little more close to the to the front was that similar with your guys show
5: yeah I think if I had been over where Yvette uh, was it would have been different but from where I was Jack was in front of Quincy and that's that's pretty much why I couldn't see him for most of the night but what did you see Yvette
4: I would say, and I'm probably a little also um, shaded by the last two shows I just saw, too, but even then, that night, you know, he wears sunglasses. He had sunglasses on. I don't know if, I'm pretty sure he had them on that night, too. I can't be sure. But he seems a little more reserved, quieter. Um, You know, I don't think he minds. It it just doesn't seem like he he needs to be as, and I think he's okay kind of being on the top there in the back a little bit, behind yeah. and involved but yeah. not so much and jack involves them so you know Yes, yeah.
5: right yeah. and i, I was kind of thinking that that they probably put neil up front because of his look with the blonde hair and everything the white fro is just so interesting to look at that i kind of wondered yeah. if maybe that was why they stuck him one of the reasons they stuck him in the front
1: he's got a look about him that looks so familiar like i feel like i've seen his face before but i've i really until this tour haven't and a lot of people on uh i was reading the youtube comments for the uh saturday night live show and everybody was saying oh there's fred Armisen in a wig and i'm like oh
5: <laughs> that's why that's what i thought too <laughs> i look like a little like that i remember one of the comments yeah. i wrote about this show on uh, facebook was that he he looks like a hip harpo Marx. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is fantastic <laughs> Uh, we've really got to gauge our responses here. <laughs> he needs just the little the honking bell thing that he, uh, <laughs> yeah, the cane that he has. I don't know if it was just happenstance. It usually is with Jack, but uh, I wonder if the rhythm section being the comfort food, being the people he knows he can rely on because he has relied on them for the past however many years five years or so. I wonder if that that was the thinking like okay I need the rhythm section to be solid and to be able to follow me to allow the new guys to kind of go crazy and do their thing and so these first few shows I really you know I think there was a maybe a little bit of a learning curve there for those guys and it would have been a lot tougher of a learning curve if they had to be the backbone of the tune. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Jack and Dominic have such a rhythm. Jack and Carla, their rhythm is just getting stronger, but obviously they have a history together. So I think that's part of it. There's a, there's a a rhyme and a reason to the construction of this group. It would seem.
5: Um, I think you're probably right. That makes a lot of sense.
4: Throughout that show, you could see Dominic many times, um, direct everybody, even Carla, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know,
4: Jack would start into something. He might have, might tell them what song they were going to play. And then, Either Or even before that, do, uh, Dominic would be, he'd look at Carla and like kind of even do the beat to her. And then he'd look at Quincy and <laughs> I mean, he, would, he was giving them signs. It's like he's almost like the, the director because he knows yeah. what Jack was is wanting. He, like he, It's like he just knows.
1: He's like Jack's hype man. It's funny because with Dominic, all he's got to do is nod to Dominic. And Dominic just reads his mind yeah. and knows yeah. what he wants to do.
5: He was doing that a lot in the Lazzaretto tour, too, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if that is a huge part of why Jack wanted him for this band.
1: I did miss Lily on this. I, I understand why she's not there, why she can't be there, but I did miss that little X factor of Lily May in there, particularly for Harmony, because all due respect to the McCrary sisters, Lily May, I feel like, elevates Jack's voice. And I feel like the McCrary sisters don't elevate his voice so much as add an extra bit of instrumentation to the set. So even when they're, even when they're on a sample uh, on one of the keyboards, because they are, I think, I feel like that it it doesn't feel like it's blending at all. And during the Lazaretto tour, Lily, and during that album, Lily did a lot for his. Harmonizing, but I missed her on it. Although I, I gotta say, I think Jack was in better voice in this tour so far than, in, than the Lazaretto tour.
5: Um, I'm gonna disagree with you about Lily May. I, I was ready for a change. Yeah. Personally. Okay.
4: Well, I think uh, that the, mu- the new music that he's doing is not actually as harmony driven. And mm-hmm. um, that what the Macquarie sisters did on the album, you actually can perform the songs without it.
1: Mhm. Yes.
4: It might not um sound as well now. You know, I'm not I'm not going to talk about what I just heard the other day, but I heard them in Detroit, but that, then I didn't hear yeah. them in in Grand Rapids. So, you know, it's a different kind of sound, but I think you can sing those songs, he can do those songs without that. And so, um that part of the, that um sound doesn't need that harmony. And from what like like Tam said or Kelly and other people is um, <laughs> <laughs> is I think people were ready for a change and needed some, wanted something different. And he definitely mm-hmm. did that.
5: Yeah, I think you put it well, Yvette.
1: I do wish he had somebody to harmonize with, like a, a Brendan up there to play right. with vocally. But it is interesting what he's doing with, with the three microphones and, and coming up with different voices for himself. Although everybody up there is pretty silent for the most part. Although it reminds me of the Stripes show in a way because...
5: Meg I was just going to say really, that.
1: Meg wouldn't really harmonize with him on the songs. True. She would occasionally, but uh, yeah. there, most of the show was about Jack singing, and uh, I think that's why the Stripes music has, has hit such a chord with me on, on these few shows. Uh, I think it's it reminds me more of the Stripes because there's not another person singing with them, and then there's the electric guitar coming back into the forefront, which it was kind of... A hit or miss with, with the Lazaretto tour. He was doing a lot of uh, acoustic stuff, and, and he was changing up the style of some of the songs. You know, we're going to be friends and all that stuff.
5: That was definitely something I felt at this this show in the Blue Room. And there was drums, there was bass, there was everything that Quincy and, and Neil had set up, most of which I didn't even know what it was. But what really drove the show, in my ears at least, was Jack's voice and his guitar, that guitar was the word I kept using for the whole show, really, but but it was because of the guitar that was ferocious. It was a really ferocious sound. And I was just going to, right before you mentioned it, I was going to say the same thing, that it brings back that feeling of the stripes. Even though there's more instruments, you know, it's not just the three set up like you used to have, guitar, drums and voice. The voice and the guitar are two big elements and then everything else is like the third element
1: by contrast though i think the guitar is sounding a little cleaner in general and it's because of the virtue of the instruments he's using but for some reason there was something a little more i don't know what's what's the word i'm looking for a little sterile about the guitar in places which i think has been getting better from show to show for me personally his shredding on the uh, saturday night live performance i thought was a little more reminiscent of the kind of stuff I like from him. And obviously when he plays the Seven Nation Army, he brings out that old guitar. He does that same, he uses that same guitar for that one. So there's no difference there, but I did find it a little more safe, uh, if that makes any sense.
5: To me, the the St. Vincent guitar sounds very clean. Mm-hmm. And I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe that's the one that you felt was sterile just because it's such a clean sound. To me, the that Eddie Van Halen Wolfgang guitar is Completely nasty sounding. It's just dirty and raunchy.
1: Does he have the bumble yeah. buzz hooked up to both of those, or is it he just must. just one he of must? Them? Okay, I don't know. It's a good sound. I, I do like it, but uh, I agree it's it's definitely crisper than the airline. You mm-hmm. Know.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's just go down the list here and, and talk about some of the different songs and stop me if anything jumps out at you as uh, something that was especially cool. But he opened with Battle Cry,
5: which was amazing.
4: So-
1: was everybody clapping? Was was Everybody like, was going like,
4: crazy. I was actually kind of hoping he would start with that one because when I heard the song the first time, you know, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is Jack White's new music. But I kind of dug the percussion and the guitar and yeah. to come out into this little space with that really loud, strong percussion and guitar riff, that sound. It just got, it got everybody really worked up and, you know, he had us all clapping the rhythm and, and, yeah, and we were all going crazy and then he starts going crazy with the guitar and, of course, you know, his hair is wild and whatever.
5: That was the first time the word ferocious popped into my head in that show. (laughs) The first of many times. It was quite
4: ferocious. It was ferocious and it totally worked and it was a great way to start that show. Like, it got everybody hyped up. You know, we didn't have an opening act. You know, you try to get the opening act to hype you up, whatever. That just, that did it really well.
1: Was this the first yeah. time it was played live, yes. too?
4: Yep, it was. Yes. So that's,
1: that's something you guys witnessed. That's awesome. A friend of the show, Ben Jenkins, was uh, very, very excited about that when uh, when that happened, which I cannot blame him for. It. That is awesome. And he has somewhere in his possession a demo of it, so we'll all extort him for that one day. <laughs> he uh, look, looks like Jack launched into wasting my time after that, which is a, a weird transition, but a, an interesting one.
5: It totally um, worked. <laughs> that's a really cool follow-up to battle cry yeah my goodness
1: it, it yeah
5: blew our faces off and then just totally like shocked everybody with or, or at least i i felt like totally shocked it was like wait a minute what what is he doing that's yeah. a... it's
0: not or a just... song
1: you would expect yeah for sure because yeah. it's it's a little slower especially after battle cry you know it's got the drolling kind of blues riffs going on in that i uh, i love that song so much i'm very very happy you guys got to see that
4: I was kind of wondering it's like I think he's playing around with his guitar you know and it's like what you kind of do with wasting my time after he sings the first lyrics and then he starts going off on the guitar I don't know if he's just playing around with it with battle cry and then going on to that I don't know it sounded really good it just was a nice transition surprisingly yeah
1: we've got over and over and over which is obviously the stripesiest of the new material, I suppose. James, as you mentioned, the Bumble Fuzz making its live uh, (laughs) debut on that tune. Mm -hmm. And then from there, Why Walk a Dog into Corporation. So he did... I don't know, it's not a safe opening actually. I was gonna say, like, oh, he opened safe and then he tried the new stuff. Not really. He's no, played not he opened at all. The two really deep cuts, actually. Why walk a dog I thought worked really well live. Corporation, I like I think I like the studio version better. Thoughts on the new material live.
5: Not enough conga, at least where I was standing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Needs more yes. conga.
4: It does yes. it does. I know that Neil does do a little congo Stop eating my sesame cake. You know, electrically. There's no mm-hmm. real Congo, but he was doing it with his um, yeah electric yeah. pad. He'd...
5: Carla was yeah. Carla had those too, mm-hmm. but they definitely need to turn up the volume on them. From there, we get uh, we get the first hit of the night. Fell in love with a girl, which it started out slow and grimy and grinding. Yes. I, and
1: love I love that version. And it progressively like, got faster
5: until it was just completely frenetic. Oh, oh that's so that's, good. That's good it's to so hear because
1: I he was doing the slow version. Live for a long time.
5: Yeah, no, that night he that night he did both in one That's song. So <laughs> it was awesome. That's so good.
1: It was awesome. And he doesn't play this one terribly often, as much as you'd think. Rather, uh, mm-hmm. he does he does play it enough, but he doesn't play it quite as much as you'd think, which is odd considering it was his breakthrough. I think he might resent that song a little bit. Then we go to uh, "Connected by Love," everyone's favorite. <laughs> What'd you all think of this one live?
5: It was okay. I mean, it, it's a good song. And it's, you know, it's definitely yeah, going to be a good anthem, but it's not one of my favorites off the album, so it's not one that I get super excited about.
4: Um, I liked it, honestly. I have to, I'm a little biased because of hearing it again in Detroit, so I don't want to go off on that one. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the original version because it was a little different in Detroit. So I think when we heard it then, it was it was good. It was, yeah, it was good. It wasn't the standout, especially because after that, he went into Catshell Blues and then... You know, it's like, what was the song before? Because nobody remembered it. Yeah. Because he went into Catch Hell Blues, he had yeah. the slide guitar on, and he went crazy, and we
5: all went crazy. Oh, my God. That slide solo, I thought it was never going to end. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: that was. What a follow-up. Uh, Catch Hell is so- something he plays very often. Uh, it seems like a go-to for him, but it's one I-, I very rarely get tired of. One that shocked the hell out of me, Little Bird. And here's why. Because in doing the distill research, we I saw just how few times he actually played this thing live, and it's not a lot. I think he's played it maybe what twenty or thirty times, maybe that many. So you guys got a treat. I, her, like, I have a feeling
5: her, like, though, you're going to hear it a lot more. So I, that, yeah. I was just going to say that. I mean, yeah. I mean, Yvette, you got to hear it at least once in the last couple of days, didn't you? It seems like he's combining it with Catch All blues. Yeah. So it's,
2: it's like,
5: like the, those those two one you know first. Sometimes, like, at at Nashville, he played Catch All Blues into Little Bird, and then Yvette the other night, didn't he play Little Bird into Catch All Blues? That was
4: in Milwaukee, so...
5: Yeah, it it seems like those two are kind of going to be something that uh not everybody but you know a lot of people are going to get a chance to hear
4: super fine with me
1: love both of those songs and i i would love to hear more little bird especially now knowing all this stuff about you know the franciscan connection and uh, (laughs) all all of the other connections that we made with the research um that's right so yeah i forgot callie you were the one that illuminated most of that for us that's right (laughs) where would we be without you Without any of you. In the army, perhaps.
5: Where would I be without me? I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then we get a little bit of a Blunderbuss medley here. We have Blunderbuss and missing pieces.
5: It was Blunderbuss on electric guitar. So good! Which Which was a shock. Yes, it was awesome.
1: It sounds so much better on electric. I'm obviously talking about my experience more than yours, but... That song just works on a whole other level when it's played on electric guitar. It makes it sound a little like his version of Isis, in
5: okay. a way. Oh, kind of, yeah.
1: I married Isis on the fifth day of May,
4: but I could not hold on to her. So I cut off my hair And I rolled straight away
6: To the unknown country Where I could not go wrong <laughs> I came to a hardcore
2: I can, I can a hear little, that. Yeah,
5: sure.
1: Yeah, I think it's the It's du, 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 that kind of... Um, anyway, uh, from there we go, Dead Leaves. Uh, I don't think he's ever played a show without it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. His old old, old faithful, old daddy.
4: <laughs> you know, he also talked in between these songs. He actually talked a lot that night, and I couldn't remember everything. I had to ask some of my friends who were there, but it, it was actually pretty interesting what he was doing, you know, in the current political cycle that we're in, and we all have our opinions yeah. in our places, and that's fine, but he has some opinions about things and you know he was quite vocal about it that night there was a part where he was naming comedians and game show hosts that weren't there and that we could leave that for another time but he brought up fox news and uh, (laughs) and he was playing dead leaves and um he was kind of on a rant and he started saying stuff about truth and and he was speaking in an evangelizer kind of a preacher tone you know he said something about um
5: if things were true or not, and... After he named all the uh, talk show hosts and comedians who were there, that was when he let into it. He said, do you think I'm telling you the truth?
4: And then he said, it, he was talking about, um, Jack White says to burn all the libraries in Nashville. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he goes into, why should he have to tell the truth if the president doesn't? <laughs> yeah. So he was he was pretty vocal about that. And he was talking about he was an entertainer and a father and a human being. And, he, and then as he was playing, he gets to the end of Dead Leaves. And he told us to listen closely to the end of this song. He got really quiet. And he said, if this is all you take from this show, take whatever from it that you want, um, but listen to the lyrics. And then he said the lyrics, you know. Any man with a microphone can tell you what yeah. he loves the most. You know, he he goes into mm. that, but it got really quiet, yes, do. really specific, and it was it had quite a bit of impact. And the, everything felt very preacher, like he was very preacher like. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the the yonder pouch is what saved him from a Rolling Stone headline from that, uh, <laughs> <Right>. because <laughs> because if people had cell phones, Rolling Stone would be like Jack White. Flames, yeah. Donald. No, Trump. no,
5: that's the one. The Blue Room is the one place where he's safe because they don't allow phones in there anywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean. Oh, I had no they, idea. Yeah, no, they're they're pretty strict about phones at Blue Room shows in general. They they seem to have loosened oh, up that's... a little bit at some shows, but uh, in general, they've they've been pretty strict about that.
1: Yeah, all the juicy stuff we got was about pierogies. So. I, I... <laughs>
5: He sounded so happy about those pierogies, though. So
1: happy about the pierogies. Yeah. I loved hearing so that in the good. live stream.
5: Oh, they smelled so
1: good. <laughs> uh, I think happy is, an, is the operative word for, the, for these shows. He seemed very happy at mine. Uh, you know, yeah. even eccentricities aside he seemed genuinely happy jokey jovial it it, it never seemed antagonistic it seemed like he was having fun out there
5: yeah that was one of the notes the first notes that i wrote after the show ended was the first third or so he seemed very intent he had his eyes closed a lot as he was playing but then i think as he started to feel the crowd response all of a sudden he started smiling and the rest of the night he was just grinning all over the place.
1: In our faces. In, in their say. faces. <laughs> yeah.
5: But it was a beautiful grin, not a lying grin.
1: That, just to get to the last few songs here that he, that he played, because he looks like he played 19 Total for you, which is a nice long show. a mm-hmm. faniac the uh, live debut of that one. James, I know you are a, a particular <sighs> lover of that tune.
4: I was a little bummed about that, because I remember James, I don't know, in, in, on Facebook somewhere, talking about how much he liked the some people have the problem with the sound and he liked it and I actually really like it too. Maybe it's because I have three sons who play video games and so I know the whole (laughs) sound kind of thing, but I love that sound. And you can't really replicate it live the way it sounds Mm -hmm. on the album. So sometimes it's like a lot, most of the songs I actually prefer live, but in this case it's like, he, could, he, he couldn't get it the way I liked it on the album. I love it on the album.
1: That's the exact same way I feel about this next song here, Ice Station Zebra. I feel like he got it perfect on the record, and I feel like every live performance I've heard of it sounds clunky because there's so many changes, and I don't blame them. There's so many changes. Like of course it's clunky. It's really hard to play, which is why I think I, I'm really looking forward to the show's in August, <laughs> when yeah. the band really knows those changes real well. well
5: I, I wouldn't be surprised if that song becomes something totally different by the middle of the tour.
1: Yeah. I thought it worked well, uh, personally, every time I've heard it live, which is all of once. But um, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't think they, they worried too much about it. Uh, it's a little bit of a bummer to hear that, uh, that Hyper act didn't translate too well. I hope maybe it does. I really want to hear it in Cooperstown, because, man, I love, love, love that song to, to pieces. Yeah. So
4: do I. And I hope to, he didn't play it the last two shows I saw. Um, I've only heard that one. But I would really like to see how it evolves and that would really be, yeah, I would really like to mm. see it because I, I really like that song too. It's one of the ones I really yeah. enjoyed and I was like, okay, and I didn't hear it the last two times. So by the times oh. you guys see him, you're going to see him sooner than <laughs> I am going to see him, James. So hopefully he'll break it out again.
1: I want to hear that and Esmeralda Steals the Show or yeah, right. Bulia and Acrasia. I want those spoken word songs. I, I want to I, hear I know, them all. I know. I want
5: to hear them all. Did
1: you guys get the email with the, like the dream playlist or whatever for the show or dream set list that was sent yeah. out from like Ticketfly? Yeah, I, I or, did that. Yeah. Uh, I th- basically, I think it was either Ticketmaster or Ticketfly.
5: Um, oh yeah, I saw you posted something about that on Facebook.
1: Yeah, they they sent out like a make your own set list mm-hmm. uh, for Jack yeah. White, which makes zero sense, but exactly.
5: Um, <laughs> that's why I didn't bother with it.
1: They gave you a list of, of all of his solo works and his White Stripes works. No tours, no Dead Weather. I selected every single song on the new album because I want to hear all of them. I want yeah. all of them live. I just put Little Acorns down 19 times. <laughs> 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 that would be a show. When <laughs> algorithms <laughs> overwhelm us.
5: <laughs> They're set up to play samples now, aren't they? They could do it.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, the set list thing is bull****. But it didn't bother me because I was like, "You want my metadata, motherfucker? You're gonna have my metadata. Here it is. Here it is. Little acorns, 19 times." So maybe it'll wind up on. It. I don't know. Speaking of metadata, uh, we have hello operator yes. up here, and the reason I say metadata on that one is because I we were just talking about like uh, the the serious jib jab interview, James, not that long ago, but he and Conan talked about how uh, Jack treats uh, live shows a little like stand up comedy and he depends on the audience reaction to gauge what to play and the biggest reaction that we got all night at our show was Hello Operator and watching the Warsaw show I saw a similar reaction it looks like he's really into this song lately and I'm kind of like totally alright with that
5: yeah I think it was the third or fourth time I've seen him do that song where he didn't sing a single word of it the audience sang the whole thing and he seems to love that and yeah. I kind of think maybe that's why he, it's, he's starting to play it more often because he gets off on that. I will have to say one of my
4: friends um, who's with me in Nashville in and, and the last two shows, she kind of noted that, well, in the last two shows, he didn't let us sing the second verse. We just sang the first one when previously we've done both because she says we, because uh, the crowd can't seem to get the second verse right and she thinks it's the part where <laughs> after you say how are you going to get the money, um, send papers to an empty home, and then right. how are you going to get the money? That middle line, everybody messes up. She felt like after we messed it up in Nashville, for some reason, she said it sounded messed up in Nashville. We haven't heard it since that way. Sung, he lets us <laughs> sing the first verse, but then he sings the second.
1: Moving on, we've got uh, Respect Commander. It looks like the last of the new material he played for y'all. Uh, we've remarked before, I was especially impressed that Carla was doing the drum beats in real time, and it wasn't a sample. She was Mm doing... I I was very impressed with that. I thought it sounded great.
5: Not enough congas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) give me that conga.
5: (laughs) From the point that we knew that there was going to be a tour, I was like, I want to see Jack sling his guitar around behind his back and stand and do a conga solo. (laughs) And I'm so disappointed that he's not doing that. As exciting as these shows seem to be.
1: I want to hear an Andy Kaufman-esque Conga. I want him to bring out bongos. I want him to, to do a, a dance I want him to become Andy Kaufman, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um,
5: Yvette, Yvette, I'm um. cracking up over you cracking up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wish everybody could see how much you're <laughs> She cannot keep it together. <laughs> Why can't he find
4: a conga
1: player? He can find a conga player. What?
4: He can do it. Neil can do it. Carla can do it. They can all do it. Because I, I saw Neil doing the conga thing a little bit. So on the electric thing, I saw Jack pull out a tambourine yesterday. So he, he they, can get a, cool. they could get a conga player going. They can do it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right. I saw him get okay. a horse a carrot so he'd break her foot.
5: <laughs> Somebody from Third Man needs to be listening to this and, and tell Jack that he's got to get the damn congas on the stage. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we have yeah. next uh, 16 Saltines, which he opened my show with, which is a really uh, a, a, a strong tune. I'm happy he's bringing that one out. Again, the, the over and over and over of Blunderbuss. Um, but nice to hear that one again, I suppose. Always a strong crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then the last two here. I'm slowly turning into you and Seven Nation Army. You guys didn't have to wait till the house lights went up and chant for him to play Seven Nation Army. Congratulations! <laughs> not not at that show. Did the chant erupt at all during during that show or no?
4: I wasn't at Milwaukee. I you were talking about that one at the end. But no, he he had the K and then he pulled it. You know, he he started yeah, it. Yeah, I think. My opinion about that is, because I know a lot of people like, oh, why is he ending with Seven Nation Army on the last tour? It's like, people get tired of it. People, you know, like, why does he keep doing it? But it's like, I guess I feel about that song. It's kind of one of those songs that's become, like he's even said, almost like a folk song or folklore. It's like, even if you know somebody who doesn't know Jack White, if you say... Do you know that song or that chant, you know, and you go the, oh, 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 you know, do the whole chant thing? Mm-hmm. Like, right, right, almost yeah. everybody I know will at least know that because they like either like sports or something, you know, and they'll they'll know that.
1: Shout out to my coworker, Kevin, who uh, just a couple weeks ago said, what is your podcast about? And I went, Jack White. And he went, who? And I went, do you know football and he went yeah I'm like da, 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 da. he's like yeah he's like you can make a whole podcast around that guy? yeah it's a it's a cultural zeitgeist song yeah he's gonna play it i mean it's like uh when i saw weezer last year and i don't really know weezer but if they didn't play buddy holly i would have i would have you know i don't know paul's like like what the microsoft it? thing
5: What I would love him to do is really shake things up and play it in the middle of the set, you know. End the first part of the set with it, and then, and then for the encore, end with something else, you know. Just, I, I, the song is fantastic live. I mean, you can't not jump up and down to it and do the chant. But I would love for him to just shake it up and stick it someplace else instead of the spoken
4: word version.
5: There you go. (laughs)
4: okay i'm sorry i was giggling a lot this weekend so you know i think i think why he does maybe why he does do it too you know every performer i mean they want to they want to end on a high note and it's like everybody that's going to be in attendance is going to know that song and you can get them riled up and you know, just really excited, and I don't know. I mean, yeah. if it were, it's it's almost like now he can't do it in the middle of a set. You know, it's like he he's it's like yeah. his classic thing. If he's if he's gonna do it, it has to be at the end.
1: McCartney saves yesterday for the end. It's just it's what you do in those kinds of and he kind of, yeah well yeah he, yeah he tends to close it before the encore's but but anyway um so we're uh, we're over our time here and uh, people are screaming at us to stop. And uh, so we are going to just uh, last impressions of the show. Any last thoughts?
5: The thing that always blows me away about Blue Room shows is just how close you are. I mean, when he comes up in front of the drum kit, you know, where Carla is, you feel like you could reach out and just grab him. And that is an incredible (laughs) feeling. That is just to be that close. It's kind of like when you um, saw him at uh, Roseland Ballroom. Yeah, yeah. And you were right there in front. I mean, it's just... It's amazing. Any you know, if anybody out there has the chance to to see him in the Blue Room, do it. Piss off your spouse. Piss off your 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 boss. I mean, whatever you have to do, get a ticket and go. It's totally go, worth go, it. Get a
1: ticket and go visit your secret family.
5: <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it was actually my
4: first Blue Room show, so I thought it was pretty spoiled and lucky to for my first blue room show because i hadn't seen one yet to have it be him and it was so literally spontaneous it happened so fast didn't have much time to think about it. it was like oh my gosh let's do this go and it was incredible it was an incredible experience and yeah seeing him in that small venue and like i said i've just seen him since in quite a different setting. It, it kind of puts it in perspective. It's like there's something about that intimacy and in his home, like that's, that's his place. That's his space. Um, yeah. He's going to have this kind of looseness and fun about him. He, he lets loose a little more speaking wise too, you know, the stuff he said, there was, there was a lot more that we didn't talk about that he said verbally that even yesterday I heard people behind me who were at that show in Nashville with me, who were yelling out stuff that he had talked about there in Nashville. So, you know, um, oh, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's lingering. There's, there's something about speaking and singing in his own place that is very memorable and yeah. impactful.
1: That is a lovely uh, segue into uh, what we will be talking about uh, later. We'll, when we catch up with uh, the both of you about some of the later shows you saw, but until that time, James, I think it's uh, it's about time that we're moving on to our next interview here. So we want to thank Callie and Yvette so much for joining us today. And again, we're really, really happy that you got to see that show and experience it. Super awesome. And we will be back to talk about your other
5: experiences uh,
1: in the future. Yeah. Thank you guys both so much for coming uh, onto the show. And we hope to talk to you again soon.
5: Good talking to you guys as always. It was awesome.
4: It was a lot of fun.
1: James, we talked about Mm. Nashville. Thank you guys uh, for for coming and uh, telling us about the show you went to. It was fantastic. Yeah, and now we're going to move on to uh, Mr. Tom Valenti and our discussion about the L.A. show at the Mayan. Yeah, let's do it. James, we're here now with... Mr. Tom Valenti. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Tom, how's it going? It's going all right. How you doing? Just swell. Good to hear it. I think we talked about Luke milking cows on this episode, so okay. that's great. <laughs> well, it's not a cow. It's like a. It's like it's a, a weird sentient an ele-
3: being. It's an that clearly looks at Luke. Uh, yeah, it totally looks at him.
2: It's like a face. It, it, yeah.
3: it's, so, it's aware of what was going on at <laughs> <on> some level. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, did you see
1: the way Luke Ramjam slammed that drink down his gullet too? He just was like immediately chugged the whole damn beer. Just gross. Well, yeah, that's been fun. Um, So we're here to talk about uh, the show that Tom and I saw at the Mayan in Los Angeles, and this is only the third time that band had ever actually played together. Yeah, that's a really early. Take on that. So we got there fairly early, and there was a there was quite a long line, and, and uh, we did identify the tour bus as we yes. were waiting. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty uh, yeah. noticeable. It's pretty noticeable. I may have taken some not so discreet photographs <laughs> from the yonder pouch from the- It's all black. It's just inky black darkness. <laughs> but Tom, we were having this sort of like, we were going down the count while we were waiting for the show to begin, and this yes. was, I think, between the two of us, we had each seen him ten times, and this was our eleventh? Is that what the... I think it was my tenth. Okay. I feel like it was the same for both of us, Yeah. Or very similar. Yeah. So anyway, we had both seen him many, many, many times yes. <laughs> up to this point, and so it was really a nice thing that the vault does, which it allows you to get the unique presale codes, which is how we were able to get these tickets. Yeah. And so we made some line buddies, you know, there was some line buddy yep. ac- action going on there. But the thing that impressed me the most was that they decked out the Mayan theater, which is kind of, a, sort of a an ornate yeah. theater. Yeah. You know, it's themed in, uh, you know, the sort of Mayan temple kind of thing. It's got a little Legends of the Hidden Temple thing going on with it.
0: Every show's a different legend, so you never know what to expect. Except a lot of action, a lot of adventure, and maybe a hero or two. We had seen uh, the kills there
1: for... And there was no act-specific decoration added to the Mayan stuff. Now, mm-hmm. when we saw, first of they all, they put a little hat on an Olmec head. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: My temple, right, old Mac. But when you walked, when you like outside the Mayan, there was just Jack White boarding house reach. Yeah, everywhere signs, everywhere posters in the window. And when you walked in, the yonder people were were yondering about. But there was also like listening stations where mm-hmm. you could go listen to the album. Yeah. Oh wow! They didn't have that at ours.
3: Yeah, and they had like attendants, like yeah, they had like female attendants, kind of dressed in the the it, colors, like the black, blue, and white, motif. offering to wow. put Beats by Dre headphones on your head. Yes, to listen to yeah. The listening oh, station. that's right, because yours yeah. was
1: yours was sponsored by Beats by Dre. I, it must that's have been right. Yeah, but it felt yeah. more like a red carpet a show in a way when you
3: were getting there sort of it was interesting the way yeah I I had never been greeted in that way at a a concert before except like the usher just to look at your ticket and tell you where to go yeah the Warsaw was sponsored
1: by a governor's ball so it was like there was no paraphernalia available to us Mm -hmm. it was just like you're in a Polish environment. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But it was it was cool. I a, a unique experience for for me. Yeah, and and for you. Even having seen him so many times, it was never quite that tailored. Although I did feel a certain sense of anxiety to get to the stage because I wanted to make because we were waiting for a long time.
3: Yeah, I got there. It's a long at, wait. Yeah, I
1: got there at five. I think you got there at six. Yeah, around there. But Jack didn't come on till nine thirty, so I was standing for four and a half hours and. Tom was standing for three and a half hours, so we we're quite exhausted by the time Jack actually <laughs> yeah. came on. But we both we stood in the merch line, and I got the t-shirt, which was cool because it's exclusive to the three different shows: the Nashville show, the LA show, and the New York show. Had three color specific and text specific shirts. Oh, that's cool! I didn't yeah, realize that. Who's with me? Okay, James's was white, I believe. The one in Nashville was yeah. black. Cool. And ours was blue, yep. so I did pick that up. I did not get the poster by Rob Jones. Yeah, I, neither did I. I wanted to. I should have, but it was like fifty-five bucks. Your poster was awesome-looking too. Like I, I wasn't like super thrilled about the the Warsaw poster. I love Rob Jones' artwork. Don't get me wrong but, like, I didn't want to hang up some kinky boots on my wall. Yeah. Uh, you guys had the cool escalator yeah. with the Sisyphean rock and the, yeah. And the, and the yeah, skeleton. Yeah, I, I really one. liked
3: it. The the vendor said that, and I, I forgot to check, but he said they only had X amount of the full run. There was, like, 250, mm-hmm. and they only had, like, 150 or something at the show. So he said yeah. to check online, which then I totally forgot to do.
1: Yeah, Animal Rummy was selling those, uh, some of the yeah. runoff, but oh, ultimately okay. I decided, like, I don't have a, very, a terribly big apartment, so I don't know where I would put it, and it was $55. So ultimately, I did not, or whatever it was, fifty bucks. So I didn't get it, but it was a really cool poster, and I do, I did love learning after the fact that on the other side of the escalator was the flaming skeleton of Donald Trump coming down the. Really, right, that's what it was a reference that's to. That's what oh, it was. Oh, that's, that's really cool. It was a reference to Trump's when he his, announced his candidacy. Announced. Yeah, but instead of him, it was a flaming post-apocalyptic skeleton wow okay <laughs> yeah, yeah well, he right. got a little
3: a little bit not yeah. not much but he got a little political during the show yeah like during corporation Yeah. kind of yeah. had mm-hmm. a, a tiny rant he did yeah I mean he was in good spirits so there, there was a DJ for this
1: one much like the other shows mm-hmm. and it, it did remind me a lot of when I saw him the We're Gonna Be Friends signing there was a DJ for that as well who, who was April March dj that one but with a guy and the guy looked similar and I'm wondering if it was the same dude but mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure and that was fine but it Again, we were standing for a long time. The nice thing that happened with this, as opposed to other shows we've been to recently, there was a feeling of crowd camaraderie Yes, at this yeah. I did not get at other shows. Yeah, We were talking to people. Mm-hmm. We were, like, joking with people around it's like it, it felt very welcoming, very friendly, because it was all people who were there who had been waiting since 2014 or 2015 mm-hmm. to, to see
3: him. Yeah, it was really cool. The vibe was... Very energetic but friendly Mm -hmm. I mean it got a little carried away at the end And it was funny too because the crowd itself was very diverse And you know demographically and age wise Like we were actually next to like I don't know if they were there with their kids or grandkids Before they were just fans themselves But there was like a couple pretty old ladies like to the left of us Yeah And they seemed like they were having a good time Until the very end of the show I think or towards the end he did Icky Thump And like a Mm. a small mosh pit kind of broke out (laughs) It was a, oh, Not super violent, but it was just a lot of kind of, like, slam dancing, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And they were just bump, bumping into each other. And they, like, it. we were far away enough to not really be affected. But, like, the, the couple of old ladies yeah. next to us got, like, tossed. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, holy shit. Like, so that. But they were fine. They were fine. I, I so got jostled mean, was,
1: a little. But yeah, I maybe,
3: got maybe, maybe slightly jostled, but that was the extent of it. But, that yeah, they took kind of a hit and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was surprising for sure. I haven't been in a pit. I can't
1: even remember the last time I was in a pit.
3: It's been that long. I never really like did it. I just decade. never got the appeal. Um, yeah,
1: there was one at a, a aquabath show I went to, which seems counterintuitive. The, but, uh, they, the kid, the kid group. Well, they're they're a punk group like first and then they became like pop punk and then they became ska and then they became like ska for kids really and so oh, i didn't realize it's kind of like that they might be there. giants does kids stuff too oh, okay yeah there was a ska mosh pit that i did not care for because i don't really <laughs> like ska music but i like the aquabats and there were people skanking all over yeah
3: <laughs> i tend to enjoy <laughs> different kinds of music throughout you know genres and whatnot but the one I've never really been able to get into a Ska.
1: Never. Me neither. No. Nope. Yeah. No. Real yeah, big fish. I, I in fact actively anyone out there who listens to ska and enjoys it, like what you'd like. It's fine. Although no, I No, you're took, wrong. You're I, wrong. Took, I took a <laughs> I took a lot of arbitrary stances uh in my in my Ute and my stance of <laughs> Ska was a pretty prevalent stance for a long time. I was just like, enough with the trauma. We get it. We get it. You saw Swing Kids. I understand. I look. If you like Ska, please continue to enjoy Ska. It's just not my cup of tea. Anyway, Mosh Pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. So, so, uh, so here's the thing. So here's the thing. So Jack came out and he was he was pretty energetic and he was jumping around and stuff and and that's all fine my initial reaction was that he looked very alone up there and i i can't even quite put my finger on why that was my feeling about it but i think it was the fact that it was a pretty new band Mm -hmm. it was the two new synth keyboard players and then carla and dominic but dominic was sort of tucked in the back as his kind of support system his repartee with carla was great but i felt like he was still feeling out how to interact with the synth guys a little bit and especially after after having not toured for a long time and playing songs from an album that so much of the fan community actively dislikes i i guess my initial feeling was like he felt alone in a way that made me not sad for him but like that made me feel weird about it i don't know maybe it's maybe it's just because the level of comfort with the Lazaretto band was just so high that it felt like, you know, he was out there with his friends, or like, with the Blunderbuss tour, I think I wasn't even thinking in those terms, because he was playing all those songs again, and that was such a hooky important thing at the time I wasn't thinking like that but I don't know I, I felt like I wanted him to be out there with Allison I wanted to be I wanted him to be out there with Brendan or somebody that he could
3: bounce off of and that's why I was so grateful for Carla's presence
1: I don't know if you got any feeling like that at all time or not
3: after you'd mentioned some of it I could see what you were talking about but during the show I was just kind of in the zone I was not observing it as closely as you I guess like I was kind of just because there were points where too like I just actually like kind of close my eyes and just kind of
1: we were just talking about James yeah Yeah, (laughs) and
3: I I alternate because I like to watch them too and actually like to watch like the performer I actually pay attention to like the hands of the guitarist Mm -hmm. and stuff like that too I don't know I was just kind of excited overall to like be there I hadn't seen him since one of the last things we did before we went to New York before we moved from New York was seeing him at the Garden so it was great to see him out here in LA three years later so I was just really stoked to see that and we got a good position so we're really close to the stage but not like all the way up front so we weren't getting crushed so I was like in a good place and I also had a drink because I went to get a drink at the bar and then forgot that at the mine you're not allowed to bring it on the floor so I didn't want to keep Paul waiting too long so I just slammed (laughs) a thing of Jameson so I was feeling pretty okay I was feeling pretty good I think I was more just kind of into the vibe of the whole thing and the energy because I thought the energy was great There's definitely technical issues that you could look at after the fact like Paul was talking about I think even he was saying Jack was saying in interview stuff that those shows were kind of like They were warm-ups for the larger part of the tour and stuff like that So yeah. it's not even that surprising that maybe they were still working out some kinks or whatnot, but overall I had a great time. I it was just cool to see him again He was in a really good mood and the crowd was in a great mood.
1: Yeah, he was at our show, too. He was smiling like crazy. And yeah. he seemed to really be into the audience at uh, at our show, which is good. It's nice to see him smiling, yeah.
3: Yeah, same thing with us. So I just thought the the energy through the whole thing was really cool. And just, I just love the tracks that he played, a lot, a lot of stuff from the new record. I heard he went
1: deep into, uh, like, icky thump territory
3: Yeah, with the guys. Yeah, he did a pretty good amount of stuff from that. I don't remember everything. But then he also did, like, a different take on we're gonna be friends which is really nice mm-hmm. i'm not always good at remembering the set lists after the That's fact Fine, i, but, I uh, suck at it and yeah.
1: which which is terrible because everybody was asking me like what was the set list and i'm like i don't know he played this song i think <laughs>
3: it was good yeah so he definitely did a lot of icky thump he did one only one dead weather song oh he did baby blue which was cool i was happy that he oh, wow. pulled out a gene vincent song that is awesome yeah that was really cool yeah, so he definitely covered a lot of territory. And he went into some deeper white stripe stuff too. And
1: how did you feel about the uh, the white stripes material? Because to me, it felt more intense. Because. Uh, his- Previous bands had all been kind of country-esque yeah. covers of the Stripes. It seems.
3: Yeah, this brought back a little more. This this band's style, I think, lent itself a little more to how the Stripes sound was, as opposed to the stuff that he'd been doing more on his solo albums. Mm. And I think Carla lent herself to that also. She did the White Stripes stuff really well because um, she's a phenomenal drummer.
2: Yeah,
3: nothing against Meg, but the, that stuff might have been fairly easy for her to play compared to some of the more complicated stuff she did on the new record. But at the same time, she still brought a really good energy, and like Paul was saying, that I think her and Jack played off each other really well. Yeah. And also, I don't know if it's just how he's really good at collaborating with other female artists and stuff. He has a real thing for that, and that seems like a, a priority for him. In fact, the only time he hasn't
1: done it in his career really was with the raconteurs. Um, yeah, he's mentioned it before. Like he says, there's a certain energy yes. and way that females play.
3: Yeah, I actually just watched the old episode of Serious Jibber Jabber that he was on with Conan. Conan. Yeah, and that's one of the things that Conan asks him about his uh, whatever, predilection, f- his predilection <laughs> for working with female artists, and he gets into the reasons why. And I could see, so I could see that playing out on the stage too, and having that similar energy to when he was with meg because i can't think of another
1: him and uh, allison Mosshart uh,
3: in the dead weather was the... well yeah definitely them on that but that was the reverse where she was the front person yeah. he was the drummer
1: yeah but they also had a had an energy where they played off of each other in that way and then obviously yeah. in the blunderbuss group was all female and so that and that was carla too. and then on lazaretto, Yeah and that was carla too but in, in lazaretto you had lily who really added a lot to those songs and it I, I was bummed not to have her there. I would have also. I was sort of half hoping that Olivia Jean was going to be in the band. I know she's got her own thing going on, but I would have felt like he had more support on the stage perhaps if Olivia was there. And plus, she's a really good musician. She is touring. Yeah, I kind of want to see it, but it's it's nowhere close to me. I think the closest yeah. to me was like Pittsburgh or Indiana. Yeah, she's not she's not touring anywhere near Los Angeles either. It's kind of a, kind of a drag. But it was a good set. James, you and I have remarked before that I think this was the first time I was aware that he's getting a little bit older, because he seemed mm-hmm. like such a ageless figure for so long, and so I, this is the first time I detected any sort of cracks in the veneer, but all that is to say, like, obviously he's like... He, Obviously, he's getting older, but he did a, he did a great job of not really changing the way he approaches a stage because he's you know he's a guy famous for his live concerts like he's famous mm-hmm. for going nuts on the stage and jumping around and stuff and that was something that a young Bruce Springsteen was really famous for and he's still sort of famous for but the to- the tenor changed a little bit yeah Jack is still able to hit those high notes well you? that was the thing like his voice sounded great mm-hmm. and that was one of the things I was worried about because he's still smoking which he shouldn't but I got nervous on on the uh, acoustic recordings tour because he was sounding a little raspy. But Mm. he actually, his he was in great voice. Yeah, for the show,
3: he was in really. Mm -hmm. I thought he was overall in really good form. His playing, his singing was all great. You mentioned like earlier the loneliness thing of him seeing kind of alone on the stage with and having more support. But I also wonder if that's part of what—that's just where he's at in his life he seems to feel from just and I obviously I'm, this is all speculation but just from interviews and like the record itself seems like he seems to be in a point where he is having a hard time like maybe connecting to people or mm-hmm. or what his place is and that's maybe why this record is so different because he's changing things up and trying to maybe move away from things that like his comfort zone in the past so I wonder if that's just stuff that you're kind of reading off of him
1: yeah that's that's possible I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've been doing this podcast now for about two years yeah and yeah we know a little bit more about him than we did before yeah that makes sense i feel like i could read some of his cues better we kind of have a, a peek behind the curtain so to speak yeah uh, because Ep- yeah we've episode 69 started yeah. learning about it um the i in <laughs> fact i was hyper aware of that and actually felt kind of sad about it because before we did the show there was more of a mystique about him on the stage like he would just sort of appear to us every year out of a cloud of smoke and then disappear again. He'd yeah. just be like this rock god that came out and then went back, went away, and then the next year we'd see him again doing this show, although, you know, I really love learning more about him and stuff, it it, it has cracked that mystique a little bit, which, for, for better or for worse, there's no going back at this point. But I was definitely more aware of, like you said, James, reading the cues and we now know Dominic personal like I texted him before the show and you know he very very politely uh, very politely replied uh, said leave replied yeah no it wasn't leave me alone <laughs> yeah, he did reply he uh, did but yeah you know so it's, it's a different case now uh, the show itself was really good just going just quickly running down the set list here you opened with 16 saltines followed by corporation i'm slowly turning into you ice station zebra now i, I want to just point out ice station zebra my favorite song on the record but i didn't think it was really clicking live but i think the band's going to get better at it mm-hmm. i don't know I, just some of the the cuts and things seem jarring he's still working it out yeah yeah uh hello operator which james i know that you mentioned on uh, the warsaw was uh, one of your favorites i he had a blast with hello operator yeah that was really cool it was, yeah, it was the only early, sort of early-ish white... Did he have you guys sing? Yeah. yeah. Did he have you... Okay, okay, no. that seems to be... Uh, that's part of his, his banter now. Which is fine. I love that song. Yeah, no, am And, you know, I love the steal, so it was great.
3: Um, I read a review of the show afterward that pointed out either the irony or it was maybe purposeful spite of playing Hello Operator at a show that... Made everyone put their cell phones away.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, that's the beauty of it. We just learned through our when we were talking about the steel on the on the episode where we went into it. That song is is him railing at the phone company, and and he hates phone companies. He hates phone companies, and so had no idea, by the way, at
3: that. So he hates car companies and phone companies. And hello, operator was. I think he. I mean, obviously, he wrote a song called "Corporation." So I think he seems to have a problem with corporations (laughs) in general. (laughs) Just fake conglomerates. And
1: And then from there, we we got uh, Cannon, which he used. He played kind of Cannon mostly in full, actually, and then did return to it later in sort of a jam setting. It was mostly a self-contained Cannon.
3: Yeah, it was mostly, but he didn't get up to the the chorus part, I think. He only stayed through the verses and the riff. Mm -hmm. And then he brought it around again a couple of times throughout the show, just like either playing the riff or jamming on it again. So that was kind of cool how he kind of weaved it in and out of the set list.
1: Yes Uh, And then we had Just One Drink From Lazaretto Then we had uh, Connected by Love Which I really loved live We talked about that A little bit But uh, on the record It's not my favorite But live Seeing him do that What have I done I pushed away everyone With the sort of spotlight And sort of hearing The crack in his voice And stuff It was was really nice And really sweet And I think my favorite song That he performed at the show Nice As a matter of fact he did Why Walk a Dog, Blunderbuss in that sort of harder rocking style. Uh Respect Commander was great seeing Carla do the
3: mm-hmm. live, mm-hmm. which is cool. And then he played Baby Blue. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Really happily surprised that he pulled that one out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's that was a song that he, he used to play live in the stripes, but it's one that he had specially prepared for, for John Peel because that's John one of John Peel's favorite songs. Uh, not the favorite, but one of them you there's a really beautiful version of that on the, the peel sessions and when you hear peel react to it he's just peels just smitten he's just over the moon in love with the fact that jack played that song but it's one they blonded over so it was cool hearing that now and it sounded great and then we got ball and biscuit battle cry with the encore which uh was my second favorite i think because i love that song and it, it was cool to hear something new live over and over and over it's Fine is what it is. We're going to be friends, which had that new arrangement. Uh, love Interruption, which was good. Icky Thump, Catch Out Blues, Cut Like a Buffalo, another one of my favorites
3: from the show. I really love the new arrangement they did with that. Yeah, I thought that I... the band actually shined on that one. If I was going to mm. pick out one or a few, it... that definitely was one where like, I think it played to the band's strengths.
1: I would love group. to hear more Dead Weather mm-hmm. other than Cut Like a Buffalo, though, because that was the one he played... All the time with the Lazaretto tour That's true. and the Blunderbuss tour. I mean, he. Uh, I think he also played Blue Blood Blues once or twice with that with those bands. But yeah, his Dead Weather stuff is really light. The rack stuff. His rack and tour is, yeah. yeah, it's it's a little more uh, prevalent. It seems because he has Broken Boy Soldiers on there occasionally. Study she goes. Top yourself. You uh, love Stop um, Yourself, yeah. Oh, he played Carolina drama at our show, so there's that. Oh, that's cool. That's probably
3: one of my favorite Recon songs. It's great. Oh, it's so good, yeah.
1: Uh, and um, then he closed with Seven Nation Army, uh, which was expected, and I was actually surprised that he didn't close other shows with that. It was great seeing him do that one, you know. It's great hearing the band do it. I felt really tempted to start the Seven Nation Army chant <laughs> during the, the breaks in the encore and, and before the show started, but I, I, like a coward, waited till other people started <laughs> it and then joined in. Is it did. It did happen It it did happen It happened twice And it always happened About two seconds Before he came back on So I don't Coincidence or not But it was particularly nice Like I mean That chant is fun And it's nice to have have Jack fans Have a Something to coalesce around And one of my favorite Memories is you Me and Mike Starting it Outside of Madison Square Garden After that show In 2015 Mm -hmm. Just And everyone singing it Into the streets of New York As we're all piling out Everyone was doing that As we were leaving It was really Yeah I remember that it was a nice moment. Oh, we, well, we started that one. Wow. Well, <laughs> thank you. We take full credit for that. I, when I was
3: there, I was like, I hope I get to meet the person that's responsible for this and one, day. one day. And I did. I know. So mm-hmm. thank yeah. you.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So it was a great show. We had a wonderful time. And James, I think uh, next up we're going to talk about yours. But uh, Tom, any other thoughts on the show? Any other closing arguments?
3: No, I think that pretty much covers it, except we're talking about the closer. I was thinking I was... Seven Nation Army was a great closer. Um yeah. I kinda want him to bring back Bull Weevil.
1: Oh, I know, but that's the stripes. Yeah. You know? That's such the stripes, though. Yeah, you. Can't. Well, he was doing. What was he closing with uh, last time? Good night, Irene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Acoustic. That was during the acoustic tour. I mean, so he he's he's capable of pulling out some weird, yeah. funky tunes to play as a closer. I, I agree with you, Tom. More bull weevil. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's uh, gonna that's gonna do it for us here, James. And we're gonna move on to the next segment. But thank you again, Tom, for uh, for joining us. Yeah, and my pleasure. Where uh, and and again for people who want to find your artwork online. I know you've said it on the show before, but sure. where they can go to TomValente.com? Yep, that's correct. And uh, you got any other shows coming up? Any other gallery shows?
3: You actually do have one in May, I believe May 12th, in Anaheim at Pop Comics. It's a Spielberg tribute theme show. Awesome. Yeah, so this Thanks. should be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're in the Anaheim area, so you by and check it out.
1: Yeah, come by, uh, say hi, and thank you again, Tom, and we'll get... Uh, thank let's, you. let's move on to the next one. James, what do you say? It was wonderful hearing from Tom. I mean, actually I've heard better. But he's been he's been better. I mean, been, I know he he's been a guest guest better several times actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't like it The last time he was on, all. yeah. It was very bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you're breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> uh, but now James, we're going to talk about your experience at the Warsaw uh, not the Poland one, but the Poland-ish one in Brooklyn. Yeah, the Polish. The Polish. It's Polish. Well, James, our preview concert coverage rolls on with your trip, along with your lovely wife, Ariel, to the Warsaw in Brooklyn. Night number four of his preview show. Yeah, two Nashville shows, one los angeles and one in new york indeed ariel and i went to see the show ariel welcome to the show hi by the way hello welcome to the show
6: hello i have a mouthful of cake
1: the band cake she's devouring
6: i do quite enjoy the band cake but um i'm eating actual cake didn't i introduce you to cake Wasn't that one of, like, Mm. my contributions?
1: It definitely was. Welcome to the show! Ariel, is this... Now, correct me if I'm mistaken, but this was your first time seeing Jack White. Is that correct?
6: Yes, it is, because Mike never got me a ticket the last time you guys went, Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I thought I would Mm -hmm. be getting a ticket, and then all of a sudden there were no more shows, and that was it.
1: So this is her first time. And it was during a very interesting, very special concert because this is a preview concert. It's not even the actual tour. It's the pre-tour. And you saw the fourth night these people ever actually played together on stage. That's a pretty special thing to have witnessed, especially at a smaller place. That's really cool.
6: Yeah, it was really cool. And it was really cool that it was in Brooklyn as well because I used to live in Brooklyn for quite some time. So that was fun.
1: Yeah. We didn't immediately jump on these tickets well all right uh so Uh, (coughs) so we didn't immediately
6: made a boo-boo yeah but it was okay
1: so the reason we (laughs) went to the show was a little impulsive and we won't get into that Uh,
6: james said he wasn't gonna buy tickets and bought tickets
1: i wound up buying tickets the show was announced a week prior i saw that they were available for brooklyn he wasn't playing anything in New York other than the Governor's Ball, and I wanted something close, and this sort of jumped out. Even just, though
6: we already had yeah. tickets to Cooperstown, but that's okay. We'll I, go twice. I logged it's
1: in, gonna be fun. I logged in to see how much the tickets were, out of curiosity, and that was my problem, because they appeared in my cart, and I went, whoa, they're in my cart, and hit buy. Yeah, that's very plausible, James. Uh, so this was on March 23rd, 2018, just a a scant few days after i saw him at the mine in los angeles on the 20th so yeah as you as you mentioned these were the surprise announced shows but the warsaw show stands apart from the other ones because the warsaw show i feel was the most recorded and most broadcast of all of these shows which is cool for you james and ariel because the two of you have the show that you saw largely complete on video and all of the audio, so that's that's really awesome you have that souvenir. Yeah. The other shows just simply didn't have. Yeah, these shows are phone-free, as most of you know, so... No no recorded audio is available on YouTube for the most part for, for this whole concert series, with few exceptions. But he announced that he was going to be recording it via Twitter Live and and broadcasting the whole thing yeah. as it was happening. Yeah, so it, it's, it's an interesting little souvenir that not a lot of fans have had so far with this tour. Yeah. And it's it's especially interesting because the Warsaw is, it, like the Mayan and, and obviously like the Blue Room at Third Man, is a very intimate venue. Yeah. And so while you are seeing him in Cooperstown and while I am seeing him in San Diego, those are going to be at sort of larger places. But the fact that you were able to see him in such a small place was actually is is pretty cool. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty unique experience.
6: I think what was neat about it is that it was a small place. That was just packed to the brim, but everybody really, really wanted to be there and was really enjoying themselves. Yeah. So it's nice when you have a small venue, but it's full of people who are actually super into it. Yeah. Sure. Neat. Now
1: the Warsaw is uh, is part of a series of concert venues in New York called Mercury East, and that includes the Bowery Ballroom, which I know I've been to before, mm. uh, the Mercury Lounge, Irving Plaza, the Gramercy Theater, which which I've been to as well, and and the Warsaw. But Warsaw's particularly cool for us James because the slogan is where pierogies meet punk (laughs) and it is it is a Polish hub and evidently there was polka dancing prior to the show uh, where where Jack was there did you see this have you heard about this we did not see it Firsthand. We knew there was an upstairs. In fact, while we were waiting in line, we commented that it must really suck to live above this venue because it looked like apartments. <laughs> but in fact, the lights that we were seeing was probably the dance hall that the polka class was going on in. And Jack White apparently yeah. dropped in on this polka class. You can see some video of that on, on Instagram of him yeah. just kind of admiring the polka dancers he's he was not...
6: very excited that there were polka lessons yeah
1: there. uh during the show he was very show. happy about
6: this <laughs> yeah he's happy about the pierogies too happy about polka and pierogies i i think yeah. it gave him some joy well, that's good but the, who wouldn't find joy in polka and pierogies i mean come on
1: the the pierogi smell was wafting through the air ariel what did you think of the the venue itself
6: I thought the, the venue was really cool. I think we had a bit too many people in there, mm-hmm. but that's also coming from the point where I was just really tired. But
1: <laughs> We drove quite a ways to get there. Like I say that Brooklyn is closer to us, but yeah, this was still a four hour journey through Manhattan rush hour.
6: We decided to leave on a Friday afternoon to go into New York City. Not exactly ideal. Yeah. So, hour and a half becomes four and a half hours. So, we were tired.
1: The venue itself, like you said, Paul, is is pretty cozy, and it was pretty crowded. There were two really large paintings on the wall that that seemed to be... I didn't even notice that. uh, Yeah, they were probably like 15 by... 10-foot paintings. Yeah.
6: Oh, I remember them now. I remember the paintings. Yeah, I'm
1: looking at these photos uh, of the place now with these paintings. This place really does look like a a dance hall, like that Uncle Kevin would have played at or something.
6: Well, it (laughs) didn't because they had it, (laughs) the way they had the lights, it didn't really look like a dance hall in there, but lit up all the way, I can see it would easily look like a big dance hall. They did have a yeah. side area with the bar and the food and kind of like a seating area so you could get drinks and the pierogies and sit. But they were sure. selling them the merchandise in that area, so that was kind of crowded. It was kind of yeah. hard to get into that little side space just because the room was so oh. packed full. Mm.
1: Yeah, th- this looks extremely cozy. I have to ask, were the pool tables still in there no. and was anyone <laughs> standing on them? <laughs> the pool tables were not available to us there was seating over by the the yonder pouch area uh, by the way here's yeah. here's yonder cast the podcast within a podcast <laughs> the yonder pouch is not bad didn't didn't bother me at all i locked up mine i did not lie like most of the people around me did in line the people around us actually said no i don't have my phone with me even though i Definitely know they had their phone with them. They just didn't take it out. But was there security at the gate? Did they no? No metal detectors or anything? No, no one. No, they, they just kind asked. of
6: trusted people. But if they saw you with it, then they'd like take you out, and yeah. that
1: was it. Yeah. Okay, so that's the difference because we had to go through metal detectors and empty our pockets and stuff. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, god! And we got a pat. And we got a pat down. I don't think that was unique to the yonder. Folks. Yeah. I think that was simply, like, Los Angeles. the policy of the place. But, like, I'm looking at this thing now, and it looks like el- the elderly fart in this space regularly. <laughs> so I can imagine <laughs> that there wouldn't be metal detectors or anything like that. No, um, The, the no, there's
6: poka and pierogies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. The, the Yonder stuff was, was interesting. I wanted to do the pouch just to experience it. Didn't bother me. Somebody actually did get kicked out in the middle of the show for taking a phone out and filming. That was interesting. She got ejected by security, but.
6: That was fine. She was, like, way too tall and had weaseled her way in front of us. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. One One of those talls. Um... The talls. Yeah, Ariel, (laughs) the last couple shows I've talked about with James, I've told told James about my play to the tall man which sounds a little like an indie horror film, but a tall man always makes his way in front of me. Yeah. And I'm no slouch. I'm about, I'm 5'11", so I'm looking out over the world most of the time. But let me tell you, a tall man always finds me and <laughs> obstructs my view. Do
0: you find something comical about my appearance when I'm driving my automobile? Yeah. Paul,
1: oh. have you ever thought that you're the tall man to somebody else? L- James, I've, I think that four times a day.
6: <laughs> Here's what I do. You try to think of a situation where where the height of this other person is actually beneficial. For instance, when seeing the Pope, very tall man in front of me, I handed him my camera and said, "Will you take this photo for me?" And he did. Whew. It so was, he was great. He was your
1: Pope pal. <laughs> yes,
6: yeah, I have a great photo of the Pope.
1: Yes, you you found a person in the audience and said, have this experience for me, since you have obviously the, the better stature.
6: Which, by the way, it's much more crowded seeing the Pope than it is at this venue. I could at least move my elbows, and there were no yeah. nuns knocking me out of the way, so that was good.
1: You were like, poke, 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 please pop this papal pick for me. <laughs>
6: But yeah, you can't really use precisely. that as an advantage at the show, no. because nobody could take a photo anyway without being ejected. Would
1: you, would you call your your Pope pal Poparazzi? Hey! <laughs> Gold star for James. <laughs> Ariel, could you please pat him on the back for me? That
6: was pretty good. Thank
1: you. <laughs> but speaking of tall tall, tall fellas, we found a, an audience member to, to benefit us in this category, a correct? A shorty. She
6: was great.
1: Yeah. We, she must nice. have been like 4'10". We befriended this family, and there was a woman there who was small in stature, which she was really worried about having someone tall in front of her, and we said, Don't worry, we've got your back. Ah, uh, literally, mm-hmm. will be around back uh, because yeah. you can stand in front of us and we can see the show. But perfect.
6: Almost everybody must have been taller than her, so I wonder how much she really. She saw. seemed
1: to enjoy herself. though. Yeah,
6: her whole family was having fun. They were good people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would just point out via New York Magazine, the Warsaw is described as an integral and integral part of the city's music scene. And it is located inside the Polish National Home in Greenpoint. It has played host to tour newcomers Le Tigre and the new the new pornographers, who I enjoy, as well as still relevant favorites, Patty Smith. A little that's a sort of a little backhanded compliment. It's a discerning balance that most clubs, with their unsubstantial underground acts or museum worthy oldies bands, failed to achieve warsaw's high ceilings good sight lines hello tall people and clear sound make the venue one of the city's premier nightlife destinations in any borough mm. so i find that fascinating because i had never been there or ever heard of it until jack white played it but it sounds like it's uh it's quite a nice venue Yes, and we we definitely enjoyed it as well. Now I believe, and Callie can correct us if we're wrong, but I think this is Jack's first time playing this place. As Far as it seemed
6: I, like it. Yeah, I as mean as I he know. he seemed very surprised and excited about the polka and pierogies.
1: Yeah, he was <laughs> he was game. He was in fulgulous form
6: with his crazy hair.
1: Which which brings yeah, with his crazy <laughs> hair, which brings us to the actual show. We had a. He was the tall man. <laughs> he was the tall man on the stage. The show opened with a DJ who we were standing pretty much right in front oh, she of. she
6: was into it.
1: She was mm-hmm. grooving. She loved that. She,
6: she was like in her dream job or in her, is the zone. I don't know. In some other zone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, playing really wide-ranging music, you know, from Beastie Boys to Led Zeppelin to... A whole bunch of it's a uh, sour cherry from The Kills, which uh, I was. Oh, a that's fan cool. Of, yeah, different than than having an opening band was having an opening DJ for Jack. I wasn't completely used to that. It reminded me of Twin Freaks, uh, a little bit the yeah. the Paul McCartney yeah. DJ experience. Although Twin Freaks being a little more mccartney centric we had a dj as well but i would also uh, point out that there was a dj that set the stage for the we're gonna be friends signing as well so mm-hmm. i'm not sure if that was in the back of his mind or if he sort of decided he liked that as an idea but, yeah. probably yeah. a lot easier although he's, he's he announced his opening bands what last week for the, yes for the something tour like that, yeah. and i I'm... except for except for mine i don't i don't know what the, <laughs> the latter i don't know what the august bands are going to be yet Well, you get a combination of all of them. You get Lily Mae playing fiddle over shirt. (laughs) Well, I hope it would be great if Lily Mae came, but I think Lily Mae's going to be in Australia with that hat and beard fella. You best get DJ Khaled as your opener. Yeah, right. So to get back to the show opened uh, after the DJ, uh, Jack White, came out to play over and over and over, he was very excited. Ariel, what was your first impression of him coming on stage?
6: That his hair was really crazy.
1: (laughs) He did have crazy hair. His hair is in uh, white stripes form again. It's kind of between his his long dead weather phase and his icky thump hair. It's definitely... It's out there and it's bobbing. Uh What about his presence on the stage, Eric? Because Jack is known for his stage performances and jumping around and being crazy and improvisational and stuff. Did you, I mean, you've seen a fair amount of concerts in your day. What What would you say was your impression of how he was carrying himself on stage, just seeing it for the first time?
6: Oh, he's a phenomenal performer and it was an awesome show. He definitely works the crowd, too. And he has a lot of energy on stage. My regret is that I was so tired. Like at the (laughs) you know, I was in a sense a little more checked out towards the middle than I normally would have been just because I was tired. And I really wish that weren't the case because normally I'm like dancing and into it and I think I got to a point where I was like oh I'm tired and that was unfortunate because it really was a phenomenal show and he he really had the energy the whole time and and so did the rest of the crowd so I think I was probably the only one who was maybe a little probably not I mean I don't think it would have been noticeable to anyone else but I guess I knew it internally and I I guess I feel kind of disappointed about that because I feel like I uh would have liked to get into it more than I normally would have. One thing that I found was that I know a lot more of the music
1: <laughs>
6: than I thought I did. So that's probably because of James. We, we yeah. did prep
1: by listening to the album before we got there. Yeah,
6: we did. So that was fun.
1: And you may have felt a little tired because he played for about two hours. He was on there was on it? stage for a long time. It was a time. long
6: But was a I'm long telling show. you, he was yeah. energetic that the whole time. He was... Going.
1: He was having fun, which is nice to see.
6: Yeah, he was having fun.
1: Ariel, I gotta tell you, and and I know we, I know we've talked about this future us, but I had a similar regret about this show where I was very tired. I'd worked all day, and then, and then I stood around from about five in the afternoon till nine thirty when he finally came on stage. So I had been standing. For four and a half hours, I did not allow time... us
6: to do that. So you didn't have somebody to keep you in check and say, "No, we're gonna sit and eat dinner and then go wait in line later."
1: Well, I wanted to get close, you see, but I, I too <laughs> felt very, very tired for the for the concert. But anyway, uh, yeah,
6: anyway. it's the working. I think you know this grown up stuff it's for the birds. Yeah, mm.
1: J- now James, mm. this is your. It's up there, show. It's getting uh, up there. I can't what remember. the first what were... one? He
6: got me a ticket for.
1: That is true. That is very true. What were your your overall impressions of Jack up there as compared to the other times you've seen him? Paul, you and I have discussed this before, but it was the first time I have seen him this close in about 10 years since his Dead Weather, his original Dead Weather tour Uh, That was the last time I saw him as close as this. We were were pretty close to the front of the stage. We were right by Carla, and he still had the energy. He was still giving it his all, and it was uh, still an extraordinary show. You know, he can still shred and run around the stage and at yeah. one
6: point he leaned down like into the did, like it almost looked like he was gonna crowd surf but then he went back he up
1: did attempt to crowd <laughs> i surf was like are we second. doing this yeah, we, we, is this
6: happening we,
1: <laughs> and then, we rushed uh, i
6: everybody I, started moving up uh i was like wait i've never seen this actually happen i
1: sort of like <laughs> well, actually, nudged Ariel and but... i was like we're 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 going in. Um, we did not. We were not close enough to to push him back up, but we were in the rush of, yeah. of the crowd. But yeah, he his energy still there. He does look noticeably, and this is going to sound really mean. He does seem a, noticeably older than the last time I saw him, uh, which mm-hmm. I know is. That's how age works, and he's that's older how,
6: yeah. and older and older.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's holding the weight of the world his shoulder. Yeah, that, that was very good. I'm I'm, I'm very happy with it. Yeah, Goku. it was good. Well, but, James, I mean, the, yeah. like you said, the last time we, the last couple times we saw him. We were pretty darn far away now. Not that we haven't been watching interviews and things, but yeah, you know, we haven't seen him since he was in his thirties, and he's getting a little bit older. But, but he's you know, got I, the energy, I, and he was, he was that still, energy. He was still giving cues. He was giving cues to to Carly. I was noticing he was giving banter to Dominic and to the two keyboardists, Neil Evans and Quincy McCrary. Yeah. Nailed it but yeah it was it was a good show still. He, you know he's still mixing it up like we, we, we had discussed um, he's putting in rack and tours, he's putting in white stripes, he's putting in dead weather. he's putting in solo stuff. So it's definitely a solo tour as we've known before. so it's right. not abnormal in that he's he's not just doing his new solo stuff or just solo stuff uh, which he has, he has enough diff- solo work now. To completely do an entire solo show, I assume during the first two albums he wasn't doing because he didn't, maybe didn't have enough material, but...
6: Maybe um, he just didn't want to. The
1: difference is in the approach. That first tour leaned very heavily into, you know, a country aesthetic, like you had violinists and, you know, pedal steel, stand-up bass, things like that, and... Lazaretto started to peel it back a little bit or refine it, but there's still that country feel, that Nashville presence is still there. And now I feel like Detroit's creeping back in and we're getting that oh, yeah. harder edge. I mean, it was a it was a different sound, you know. The the Nashville I think his infatuation with Nashville as a concept is really subsiding. Yeah. This is the most rock and roll I've ever heard his solo band perform. Yeah. The White Stripes material specifically blew me away because I had never heard White Stripes material sound that full before. Yeah. When we saw the White Stripes live, obviously that was a unique experience to them and was its own wild animal. This sounded like the White Stripes probably should sound, plus mm-hmm. a backing band and a bass, right. you know. Like if Dominic Suchita, Suhita, Suhita, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's as if as if he he went right from the fuck ups to the white stripes. Yeah. And specifically songs that blew me away. Hello Operator. Yeah. Sounded extraordinary. And Black Math sounded so good. You got a lot of good ones. He, he look, well, let's we just did. go down the list here. He uh, he opened with Over and Over and Over. Opening with a new song is awesome. I'm really happy he did that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, right from there to Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, White Stripe song, sounded great, loved it, uh, I've heard it live plenty of times, and, and this obviously, like I said, sounded a little different. Right from there we went to Corporation, which, really good, live, this really yeah. worked. Live. Yeah, it worked for me too, yeah. Um, To Lazaretto, again amazing. Uh, To Cannon, which he stopped halfway through Cannon to barrel right into Why Walk a Dog i'll pick up on where canon picks up uh, in a minute <laughs> from there to connected by love which sounded great live i was really worried about that one did sound really really good from there to i cut like a buffalo i think the only dead weather song he plays yeah. to respect commander i don't know about you paul but i really do enjoy the beginning bits of the song live yes like- watching carla perform them with her own two hands and it was, was really, really special. Yes. And then he's been doing uh, different intros for Getting the Mineshaft Live, and he debuted a new intro. When
2: I was a little boy, I grew up in a Polish neighborhood in Detroit, Michigan.
3: My grandmother was 97 years old walk to church every day by herself. She'd take the alley behind
2: Ferdinand Street, cross down Porter, walk down Morrell, and I'll church every Sunday, and every Monday, Tuesday, or
3: Wednesday. Sometimes she would stop by the Mexican bakery, Pick up these rolls, bring them home to me, and me and her by ourselves,
2: we'll cut these rolls open and eat them
1: together. Ariel, do you remember this story at all?
6: Yeah, it's Grandma's good Catholic. <laughs> 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 Gotta go to that Sunday mass.
1: Yeah,
6: uh, in Detroit.
1: Yes, down mm-hmm.
6: the down the block uh, every yeah. Sunday.
1: Interesting, interesting intro to, to get in the mine shaft. Which that song I love already, and, and live it blew me away. From there too. you were
6: so excited when he started playing that. Yeah, <laughs> James was very well. James was very excited the whole time, but he was particularly excited with some songs. Yes. More than yeah. Others. This Ooh. was my first time, so I didn't have that that James giddiness with every song. <laughs> yes. But I was just excited that I knew the songs. Yeah. So that that's was a be, that's cool
1: very exciting. Yes. I let me tell you, when I saw Weezer last year, I uh, and I only know like four Weezer songs, and they played all four of them. I was super stoked. <laughs> I was on my feet for those i was like beverly hills i'm there right now i know that one (laughs) i know that one anyway so he did i'm slowly turning into you he did that for us too Uh, which i didn't i didn't feel really anything for although towards the end i started to because i started getting into the the shouting back and it gave me some nostalgic flashbacks to to when we saw the stripes at madison square Garden. Ah, yes from there to blunderbuss the Best version of Blunderbuss I've ever heard. Oh really? It it, I blew me away. I've never heard a a version this rock and roll before and Yes, you know what? I agree. I I heard your version, it was great. accompaniment to this song is it's way different and way better in my opinion I, I really enjoyed this one I was like basking in the, in the song I have a problem at, at concerts where I tend to close my eyes I don't know if any of you out there have that same problem but I have to remind myself like no you're experiencing something you should see it take it in <laughs> but then I'm like no it's an experience I want to just take it in through my soul and heart and listen to the music and have it wash over me
2: have some of your
1: tasty beverage to wash this down. <sighs> and hit the spot. No, I do that sometimes. I know what you mean. From there, we go to Missing Pieces, then to Ice Station Zebra, which sounded great. Live. Loved it.
6: They all sounded great. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm,
1: I know. I keep repeating this. Uh, Hello, Operator. That's okay. Hello, Operator was great. You know, hearing the White Stripes material that powerful again is is incredible uh to just one drink which surprised me yes to what's done is done he got his what looked like his Rita guitar for this one yeah he had he had one of the one of them up there I don't remember which one he had on up for mine. he sang it very uh soulfully you're lucky you got that one I was I, I it would have been cool to hear that one live because I don't really care for the studio cut that much so it it would that I feel like that's a live song it was yeah it was very uh well put together, although the band tended to take a backstage to that one. He, Which
6: worked. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it definitely
1: did. They put the spotlight on him and he's very poetic. Yes. Very emotional. <laughs> and he kept the reading guitar for We're Gonna Be Friends. A different version of We're Gonna Be Friends yeah. than we normally get. It's it was less country, less white stripes. It was like poppy. it it, it actually reminded me a little bit of the version we got from April March. It we're going to be friends book. Uh, so I think he may have been taking a cue. I don't think he was covering the April, March version. I just think he might've been thinking of it more in those sort of French pop terms, as opposed to the country terms or the folk terms. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me if he got a lot of inspiration from that being as it was so recent. And, and you uh, got Carolina drama. Yeah, he, That's awesome. Dude. He laid down to close the, the main show with Carolina drama. I, I think I turned Ariel and and shouted, "He's playing Carolina drama," which I don't think that meant as much to you. Um,
6: No, like I said, you would get very excited, and I was just kind of like, "Okay."
2: Yeah, but I
6: I was very happy that you were just finding such joy in each and like the the moment uh, there was. There's this moment of joy in James; he just lights up. Like right as mm-hmm. something, a new song is just starting to play, and he realizes what's playing before all the people <laughs> around us. His eyes widen, and he just gets so happy. I was really yeah. enjoying observing this happiness in you, even though I did not feel the same way initially. <laughs> I was just sort of listening.
1: Thank you. Uh, well, I-, I don't
6: know. I don't know what the songs are when I hear one second of the the yeah. instrument. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and 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 I like concerts. We talked about this uh, with uh, Tom and Aaron, but sometimes I like to not really know the songs, but there's something really special about being that aware <laughs> yeah. of what he's playing. And I actually used to feel jealous of the people who could pick him out earlier than I at earlier jack shows before i was quite subversed yeah i used to think "Ah, i wish i knew like that guy knows that they're gonna play that song and stuff and so we're finally able to do that james yeah we just hear the key that he's putting it in and we're like ah the key of c the key of carolina drama
0: Which he closed
1: uh, with, looks uh, like and, here, which is pretty cool. And I sing-shouted that to no end, um, which actually <laughs> reminds me, in uh, Hello Operator, he uh, he let the audience sing the, the first verse or something like that, and uh, he was beaming. He was so happy. Oh, because
6: everybody knew all the words.
1: Everybody knew all the words. He <laughs> was he was just so yeah. happy and delighted at this show. I, I know a lot of people were commenting on the Twitter live thing, that the audience sucked. But from our perspective, the audience was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah.
6: everybody was very responsive and, yeah. like, we singing. Yeah. You know, when he would put the, the mic out, they everybody would respond. You know, it was good. And um, I just want to say one of the things that came to my mind when you were talking earlier, Paul, about how sometimes it's, good to hear it for the first time I actually expected to be processing a lot of the music while I was listening to it (laughs) because I didn't know much of the new album he had just put out or the new things he would be playing and I assumed it would be a lot of that because what do I Mm -hmm. know but it was really just a mix of all different things so I found that I did know most everything that was being played um, including the new things so that was kind of neat for me But I did actually Expect it to be One of those things Where I would be Processing More than I would be Yeah Singing along And I I, I was surprised That that wasn't the case Yeah uh,
1: Well you're pretty well That's well-versed. a good way To put it Processing Because that's That is how you feel In that moment You're like New data Inputting <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Very That's a very cool way To, to phrase that I felt that way Many times At shows Where I didn't know I didn't it gives you a different listening experience, actually. It, it colors it in a way because you're hearing it so fresh. I think there's a, there's nice things about either, you know? There's nice things about the processing and
0: well, letting it hit
1: you. And there's also nice things about the comfort blanket, you know? Yeah, and it seems like Jack White was still processing Carolina drama to an extent because he forgot some of the lyrics and got some wrong. <laughs> um, He's been forgetting that. For a while he, he, <laughs> oh,
6: he has a lot of songs to remember He does,
1: he does. That's, true, that's, that's
6: a true. lot of songs
1: Yeah. Between you and me I'm not sure if there's a point to that story anyway But
6: <laughs> uh, I but often wonder it. with a lot of the lyrics I, Part of my processing is how I feel about it And then the second part is What do I think it means? And I'm mm-hmm. sure I can construe some kind of a Catholic meaning for absolutely everything <laughs> that is not the actual meaning. Remind but. me to yeah. give
1: you Why Walk a Dog, just to get uh, so, something new out of that metaphor yeah. me and Paul are searching for that doesn't exist. Yeah, we're, we're struggling with that uh, one. Oh, uh, I was but struggling
6: it, with that too. Give it to me. I'll come up with a catechetical reason that is not the actual reason. Okay. Guarantee it.
1: Fantastic. Why well, Walk a Dogma. <laughs> Uh, so he opened your Encore, James, with Battle Cry. Yeah, so That's cool. excited that he's playing this live. Black Math uh, which... one of my favorite Jack Encore songs that's the one he opened with at that show I always talk about in uh, <laughs> in Blunder, the Blunderbuss tour and it's that one I that saw. you can really slam dance to um, yes the yes. crowd didn't mosh thank god it was so crowded in there though it was really hard to really dance around yeah uh, you I... had to kind of just kind of bob to yourself but
6: yeah at one point i asked james knowing he wouldn't want to i was like do you want to go to the back where there's more room so at least we can you know dance around a bit and he was like no not really (laughs) and i was like yeah i knew he would say that i was like well but i really needed a minute to breathe so i was like all right i'm just gonna go back i'll be right back you know, mm. and I I'm pretty good at squeezing my way back through things even though some people get annoyed whatever. So I went yeah. back to where I thought there would be more room. Uh, uh-huh. there was not more room. I just squeezed my way back to where I was still squished. <laughs> yeah. And, and there was that a little like hallway. It's an extremely
1: cramped situation.
6: Yeah, well there was a little hallway that led into where the restrooms were and mm. people were actually kind of starting to crowd into that hallway where you couldn't see anything because it was blocked by a wall. So uh-huh. I had already walked all the way back there through everybody, so I just figured, well, I guess I'll go to the bathroom. So I, did that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to squeeze all the way back, but really it was packed to the rim. One thing that was kind of funny is that the people in the back were actually very annoyed with the big cameras, people that were being used to record the show, Ooh, because... Yeah where they would move around, it's much worse than a tall person because not only is it tall, (laughs) it's whacking you in the head, this big camera, so there were some people who were a little frustrated with that uh, in the back, but it was pretty much behind us since we were close to the front of the room, and I Mm. did make my way back to James soon after. And told him, there's no space back there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to dance right here on this beer-stained floor.
1: Yeah, everybody. <laughs> everybody, when they were done with their drinks, like I did, uh, gently lowered it onto the ground to just instantly forget no, about pe- it. I
6: think people who weren't done with their drinks lowered them uh, down to the floor. They were just That's many. The only explanation. Yeah,
1: it was a fun. I fun don't understand. <laughs> it's it's common practice for a concert. Uh, I'm sorry,
6: they, I was just not feeling the the, the sticky shoes.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Well, speaking but I was of feeling
6: the concert.
1: Speaking of things mm-hmm. that that make your shoes sticky if you step on them Encore? uh he he went on to uh that black bat licorice <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a cool one i'm i that's i'm shocked he played that actually but i'm i'm happy he did that's awesome yeah he a lot of lazaretto in your show yeah he really went went to the to the lazaretto with us um which i was happy about i love love everybody love, was love happy Lazzaretto. about that mm
6: He got a good response with the Lazaretto. Yeah, he spat it out.
1: (laughs) And then you got Would You Fight For My Love, it looks like here. Yes, readily singing along, uh, shouting back at him as he wanted us to. Mm -hmm. He was, again, grinning just ear to ear uh, to Broken Boy Soldier, which was really uh, unexpected, because I really don't hear that song often on his solo stuff. It sounded gritty. It sounded like it needed a little bit of work. It sounded a little more unpolished than the Tours ever would have done, and I kind of mm. dug it. Like I, yeah, I kind of really liked it. I kind of really liked everything he did up there, but that's beside the point. He's circling the singles, you know. He's yes. circling the singles on these albums, which is, I wish you. I would love to hear just him bust out store bought bones or something or. Yeah. Call It A Day or something crazy like that, you know? Like, oh, Call It A Day would be cool. Or Pull This Blanket. I want to pull this blanket off <laughs> Well, they all, they only rehearsed... I mean, they they say only rehearsed about 60 to 70 songs. That's a lot of songs, but yeah. out of his whole catalog, it's really not that many. Agreed. This next one's weird, huh? Yeah, The, the like I said, he, he stopped canon halfway through in the beginning of the show, and at the end of the show, he continued canon... And sang the lyrics to "Blue Moon of Kentucky," which is a Bill Monroe tune. That was weird and really cool, and one of those quintessential Jack White moments where you're getting a cover that you don't know what it is exactly, but you kind of do, right. and it's it's an odd thing that just kind of sticks out at you. <laughs> very very cool then kicked it back into high gear with 16 saltines and ended the show The at, at 16 saltines is when the live stream cut out uh, so yeah. Ariel and I can can, uh, can witness uh, and, and lay claim that we saw him play and end the show with Ball and Biscuit it was amazing it was an amazing performance of Ball and Biscuit and
6: it was a really long encore which was really cool Also, I was tired, so I was partially like, are we done? But then at the same time, I was like, this is really cool. But that was a really long (laughs) encore. You played a lot of songs. It was like two separate
1: shows. Yeah,
6: Um, essentially.
1: Yeah, and throw in some pierogi talk here and there, and the smell of pierogies in there, and bada-bing, bada-boom. got yourself a Jack White and Polish history place. Thank you, Johnny Liberty. Um, (laughs) Hey, hey, it's Johnny (laughs) Liberty over here. (laughs) I love my son. Um... Yeah, your set was uh, considerably longer. I think actually than mine, although um, it sounds like there was some overlap there. I am really happy you guys had a good time. That's very cool. And Ariel, thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
6: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
1: Would you see him again? Yeah. All right, good because we already have tickets. Um... <laughs> 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 Jokes I knew on you, you had tickets for that one.
6: <laughs> it was this one that you surprised the bank with.
1: Thank you, Ariel, for coming on the show. You're you're always always welcome and uh, thank you for, for being very uh, understanding about me buying these surprise tickets.
6: <laughs> it, was <fun. laughs> it was good.
1: Alright let's get back to it. Let's get back to it.
6: Hi everyone. <laughs>
1: James, that was six long weeks of Boarding House Reach album debut coverage, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> it's from all the reaching, isn't it? That was more thought out than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul, this has been uh, quite a journey. We have really inundated you, really good listeners, with this new material that seems to be very controversial to jack white fans so yeah thanks for sticking with us and uh yeah thanks for doing that yeah i've enjoyed myself i don't know about you paul i learned a lot oh yeah really reached a lot <laughs> we reached we've boarding house reached new conclusions is that anything uh it was something and uh we've talked to a lot of folks And we've gotten your feedback, and we thank you for that. And uh, we would like to get into some shout-outs here. Before we do, I just want to very quickly say my apologies to anyone who experienced feed trouble this week with the Third Men podcast. We apologize for that. We are in the process of moving the podcast, James. We're moving it, and we have hence been experiencing some feed trouble, so we apologize for that. But uh, we will have more details on our new home, our new host and home, for you next episode. And in the meantime... We are just going to go in and we're going to thank some people who have been talking to us on social media. Oh, we would love to do that. Well, I will start by uh, thanking some uh, people who have recently liked our page. We would like to thank uh, Christine May Gabawa. Thank you, uh, Christine. These are people on uh, Facebook. We would like to thank Lucas Ravenga Tauma which uh we're very very appreciative of we have lec elaine we have raquel castillo largo we have henry denoso banting jennifer gabaton alfred olivar arojo christine marie garcia tito Christopher Lasseter, Villatuna? I'm assuming no relation to John Lassiter. Nope. We have John Kyle. We have Carla Hallingdon. We've got so many here, James. We'd like to thank everybody for, uh, for liking our show. It is appreciated for like, and please interact with us on social media. We love that. Yeah, please do. And where you can do that is where I'm going to tell you right now, right here, you can do that if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thirdmen. A lot of good conversation had happened in there. You can go to our Twitter at thirdmencast on Twitter. You can tumble with us at thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can press our words at thethirdmen.wordpress.com. Email us at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, search us on YouTube where we do some visualizers and animations and things. You can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That would be fantastic. Fantastic. We would also like to give some shout-outs to our regulars that I forgot that we had to do before this section. Paul, would you like to do that? Yeah, we've got Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation. We've got Jeremy Riles keeping us on those rails. We've got My Oh Me, It's Me Oh My. We've got Andre Ice Cold Lime Man. Eileen, I see you over there, Corsano. Callie Durga, third woman in spirit every weekend who joined us on the show today. Thank you very much, Callie. We have Adrian King, the punk rock queen. We've got the Red Red Rain Prosper, Amy Hart, the heart of the operation, LOL 2.0, who's... <laughs> yep. Uh, we've got Eric Andrew Dotson over here, David Poe, 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 We've got S.A. Franco. We we don't know What you. does that mean? We'd like to know you. Yeah. We've got Yvette Wilkins, who's Wilkins on Sunshine, and uh, who joined us today on the show. We appreciate that. Thank you very much, Yvette. You were wonderful. We've got Brendan Smith. We've got Brian Walter, be nicer to me, and no right opinion for you here. Go away. No, don't go away. No, no, no. It's part of the song that we're doing. It's a thing that we do. It's not a good song if you're telling our viewers, listeners, not viewers, to go away. Don't do that. Yeah. Please feel free to uh, to give us any listener questions. We have one of those episodes planned, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd also like to thank, real quick, Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help of our theme song. We're the third man, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the wonderful intros and outros of our program. And thank you to all of our third people this week. We couldn't have done this episode without you. So many. Yeah, so thank you very much, everybody. And until next week, James, I am going to be looking for a home in our other podcast, the Yesterday and Today podcast, which we didn't promote yet this week. Mm. And I'm going to be looking for a home in a Mayan, Polish, Nashvilleian... Oh. Oh, a blue uh, (laughs) room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah okay filled with pierogies go there do that be in that thing do the thing you just said it's got pierogies and lots of country music and a calendar that marks when the earth is going to go away good night everybody
0: bye
1: ready? Are you? Oh yeah.
4: On your marks, get set, go. That's
1: good. This morning has been a cluster f- uh, for both James and I on many levels, and uh, we are hobbling through it. Like I told Ariel, it's time to go be excited now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep it pithy then, James, because you got a split. Yeah. garbage.
6: You made me switch chairs.
4: You made me switch. Like do you want a your chair back? Natural <laughs> woman.
0: We
1: and now, in our defense, we begged him to do that. And he said, no girls allowed. And then when we pushed it further, he says, especially the wives and girlfriends. And then he called all of you some very mean names, including his own wife, which I can't understand to this day. Nice job! Great job! You guys had no problem getting across at all. Great teamwork going on to the steps of knowledge of the Silver Snakes. The listeners know the mic, it's fine. Okay, yeah, um, What did he say was the in- what was the intro? I don't remember.
6: Are you sure
1: he- I'm pretty sure. It doesn't say it on that your set list and
6: I trust Paul. I- Just look it up and restate it and it'll be like you knew them all along.
1: That is our whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: Well, while you're doing that. Can I have some of that drink? I'm thirsty. I was it's got rum in it. Yeah, well, I'm, I know. When I first drank it, I didn't realize it had rum in it, so I I had a disgusted face because I was expecting juice. Mm. I certainly this don't is, know the keyboardist. I didn't not really fun. know anyone other than who Jack was. So there's that.
1: Quincy McCrary. I told you he was a McCrary. He is a McCrary. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I forget what the f*** was talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, me too. Oh yeah, so it, th- it was you... different this time with the band. Anyway, uh, secretions aside, hey, that's just the kind of awesome episode 69 coverage you're going to get here oh, yeah. on the third band <laughs> apartment. I have shit everywhere, by the way, welcome. Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, just... Just hey, kicking people. Hey James, it was very James, wild. James, yeah. this, they were skanking. It's episode 69, sex it's thing. Nice. <laughs> it's the number, Paul. I like caress me down 69, uh, <laughs> but that's pretty much it. Really, a real sky pie. You know what I mean? Just real. <laughs> mm. I'm
2: John. Campbell.
1: I'm Paul. I'm John. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.